we go. Hello and welcome to the King Heroes Journey podcast. My name is Beth Martins. I have the enormous pleasure of being here with Alphonse Fagiolo. His website, I am has sent me to you.com. <laughs> That's my favorite URL of all time. Well, and let me turn Alphonse this off. <laughs> that was right. All right. And I would love to just take one moment and get Alf, um, Rockfin going. And I want to shoot you guys a link for Rockfin as well. So we'll. If anybody wants to be here on an uncensored platform, I have a cat trying very hard to get my attention. <laughs> there we go. This is always my spiritual test if I can juggle my cat. All right, there is Rockfin. If you'd like to jump on there, you're most welcome. Love to have you. Rockfin is excellent. And uh, welcome to everybody here that's in the chat already. A lot of excited people, Alphonse. We've got Mojo Shop and Michelle and Evans here, Joy41. One eight, uh, Trutherts is a big fan. You're you're a legend, according to him. We we agree with that. Nassau lies. Brandon John, Cindy, Bombardi, Tom, and let's see if my cat just settles uh, <laughs> down. <laughs> well, listen, I got to put the I got to put the dog disclaimer out there too. At any time, there could be a dog fight that breaks out playing. But it could happen at any time. So just to, be, just to know, you're barking or, or rustling, you know what it is. All right. We've got God's creatures abounding. <laughs> Never a problem. All righty. So, uh, Alphonse, do you want to introduce yourself? You're, you're sort of almost beyond introduction in some ways. That you've done so much work in the last way. I'm not, I'm not putting you on a pedestal, but uh, I know your original life, you were in the music industry. You still have a, an email in, in music, and, and that's awesome. So what inspired you in the first place to become a champion for the people? That's how I'm calling you anyway. Well, listen, nobody gets involved in this stuff because they want to. You know, I got much better things to do in my time, okay? I'd rather be rolling around on the beach with a beautiful-looking woman, drinking some beers and, you know, just taking in the waves, you know. But we don't do this because we love this stuff, you know. You, you, do, you get involved in this stuff because most likely you got thrown into some situation that you really don't want to be involved in, okay? And actually – Let's talk about this the other day with somebody. And they said, hey, how did you get into this? And I said, listen, growing up, I was always a really good athlete. And I was a good athlete because I had some natural talent, but I worked at it too. I worked my rear end off, okay? I practiced. When other people wouldn't practice, I practiced. Because I always wanted to be the best at what I did. And it would always bother me if somebody was better at me than something. And that's sort of how I approached the law thing when I got thrown into the Silver Authority case. <clears throat> I had this attorney probably with a 40-year head start on me. He's got a $200,000, $300,000 law education. He's got a ton of experience. He's got all these nice little cushy jobs next to his name. You know, uh, 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 solicitor for the sewer authority, solicitor for the borough of Ridley Park. He's got all these titles. So I sort of looked at it that way where I, he was using a law system that I didn't really understand. I knew the basics of it, but I didn't understand. And I felt like I was being played a fool. You know, you know how that is when somebody knows something more than you and, and they're taking advantage of you. And that's what bothered me, I think, more most was that I knew I was being taken advantage of out of my ignorance or my stupidity. And, you know, I, I don't think it's any of our faults. I, I, you know, it's, it's like I, I don't blame anybody. Listen, this is this was done through schooling. It was done through the media, it's done through your parents and your relatives and your friends. And, you know, what do I tell you? There's two things in, in life that are certain death and taxes. <laughs> you want to bet? I know one of them certain. I'll know about the other one because I know a lot of people that are not paying taxes, okay? So, uh, 
they feed us these little things, you know, these little blurbs, and they want you to, it's almost like a programming thing. So I took it as a challenge when the sewer authority came after me. And, uh, uh, hey, listen, I, I put this guy through the ringer. I put him through the ringer so bad that they fired him. Okay, he's gone. He started the lawsuit. He didn't finish it. And put it this way, they finished their lawsuit with a whimper because they got a judge to sign an order and they can't collect on it. They signed the order a month and a half ago. Nobody will send the order to me and nobody will come try and collect the order because I took the judge apart in the hearing. And I told him, you have no personal jurisdiction, subject matter, or in-rem jurisdiction. How are you moving this case? And I said, listen, I don't really care what you do in this hearing. I said, I'm going to clean it up in federal district court, including you. So he knew what that meant. He wasn't happy with me. And he, at, at first, when I first walked in there, Beth, I showed up early to the hearing. Okay. He, he set a special hearing time aside so that there was no other business during the, the end of the day. Okay. So it was a late hearing, like two o'clock. There was no other hearings he was going to have. So I walk in, there's this empty courtroom. Okay. And uh, he's just finishing up with some guy. That thing finishes up. And he says, uh, Mr. Fagiola? I said, I said, yeah. He said, uh, he goes, we were taking bets on whether you were going to show up. Like, really? I never heard a judge say that before. We were betting whether you were going to show up or not, you know? I must have been the talk of the little, you know, the, the court there. Uh, because I actually had sent in, believe it or not, uh, I sent in a, uh, uh, it's it's called a request, basically. It's, 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 it's an information asking the court, hey, listen, if I come in and arrest this attorney over here, am I going to have a problem with the bail tackle me? They're basically doing a citizen's arrest kind of thing, which is actually in law. I'm not making this up. It's in law. Supreme Court has it. The state law supports it. <clears throat> and was I really going to go over there and arrest the guy? Probably not. But I just wanted to put the fear of God in them that, that this attorney was now thinking, is this crazy man going to walk across the court and arrest me here? And I just want to put him on notice to show that, hey, listen, here's the crimes you're committing right here. I know what's going on here. So I don't care what this little kangaroo <clears throat> court you guys have going up here, you and the judge together, you guys have your fun. Because when push comes to shove, I'm going to bounce you guys to federal district court. And now you're going to come answer to me and explain how you did what you did. Because guess what? I'm looking at the rules of civil procedure that says you can't do it. And I'm looking at the laws that also say you can't do what you're doing. So I took it as a, you know, what got me into this was a, was really a challenge where, like I said, I, I felt like I was getting beat around by this attorney who had a lot more knowledge than me. And that's just not my nature. I'm not going to let that happen. So if that meant I was going to spend the next 24 hours for the next 10 years reading and learning this stuff, I was not going to let this guy beat me. And like anything, when you start getting involved in this stuff, you get, you know, I did the Crow interviews and I did some other interviews and people reach out to you. And right now, it's, I mean, it's absolutely absurd how many emails I get. It's ridiculous. And I can't reach out and help. I would love to help individual people all the time, but I can't. I can only do a handful of like my stuff that I'm probably two months behind on already. My own stuff, I'm two months behind because I'm helping other people. But how do I get pulled into that? Well, gee, when I get an ex-girlfriend calls me up and she says, hey, I got my tenant. She's got a condo where her daughter's living. And they're writing fines on the daughter because she's walking the dog through the common area and he's not in a wagon. He's got to be in a little wagon, okay? So so he's not in a wagon, so she's bringing him through on the leash. Guess, how many, guess what they ran the dollar figure up on the fines for the dog not being in a wagon? They were up to $28,000, including legal fees. This is a 78-year-old woman, okay, who never bothered anybody. The dog never touched anybody, never bothered anybody. And when you hear that stuff, and I know I got my stuff to do, but I'm like, 
and something in you goes, no, 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 I can't let this stand, okay? This is going to, I'm not going to stop this. So they, they actually got a default judgment against this woman. In other words, the clerk, clerks can't issue judgments, number one. Let me, let me explain that to people. Clerks don't issue judgments. Judges sign judgments, okay? And that's usually after an adjudicated trial with a jury, if you're smart. Uh, so they did this little default judgment end run around her to try and steamroll her. And uh, I said, uh, looked at her pleadings and I looked and I went, wow, look, she, she's got a couple things that are basically uh, the amount of perjury in her, in her initial pleadings. So I, uh, I filed a petition to open up the case. Even though it's a judgment, I filed a petition to open up the case. And I did it based on facts and law, basically. I stated, hey, she wasn't getting certain mailings from the court. How can you hold her accountable for not getting mailings? Like you guys ran a default judgment against her. She didn't get it till day eight. They wanted it responded to by day 10. So how does she get a the thing that eight, day eight, she's got to respond to it? I said, no, 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 you can't do that. It's a 70 year old woman. It's not somebody who's internet savvy. It's up there looking at the, uh, the, the online court site. It's not fair. That alone will get the judgment open basically just because it's not a fair process. Uh, and even then, here's here's how deceptive and dirty they are to clerks. Uh, even though she got it on day eight, on like day eleven, we got a fax out to the uh, uh, to the clerk of the court telling her that there's a mailing coming, a certified mailing coming with the answers for the suit. So she knew Monday she had a copy of the answers, and she also knew Monday that there was actual physical copy of the answers coming in the mail on Wednesday. You know she turned around and issued the default judgment on Wednesday. She knew those answers were coming, and she still did it. You know why she did it? Because she's a bar member. She works for the county, and the attorney's a bar member. And they figure this old woman's got nobody looking out for her. So what I did is I filed a motion. Uh, it's called a petition to open the, the case up. But I actually heard the recording of the initial hearing that they that they, Mike's girlfriend went to and, uh, and this, uh, this woman. Uh, and the, the lawyer steamrolled them, just totally steamrolled them in the hearing. And I said, I can't have that with this petition. I need somebody to, to litigate this petition. I can't walk in and do it. They're not going to let me do it. So I got my ex-girlfriend to hire an attorney. Hey, listen, hire an attorney. Just let him litigate. It's real simple for him to do this. Let him litigate the, the opening of this. So they show up to the hearing. Okay, they, they walk into the hearing. And uh, right away, the other attorney, the female attorney, and she, she's a B-I-T-C-H. Let me tell you, she is. What she did to this all one? Okay. So... <clears throat> Right away, she wants a continuance. Even the attorney I, that we hired, jaw dropped. Why would she want a continuance? She's got a judgment. Why does she want a continuance to hear this? And my friend told me, she said, she looked horrible. She looked, because uh, she's seen her before. She said, she looked stressed, worn, drawn. I said, well, hopefully that document that I found had something to do with that. Because now we're going down. Now it's starting to become not about walking his dog through, not in a wagon, we're now talking about perjury from you and this law firm trying to extort $28,000 from an old woman. Let's go see how this is going to play in front of a jury. Now, the dog was not in a little wagon. Here's the best part about the wagon, Beth. In the first hearing, I heard the recording. Their own attorney, she's got the woman work that works for the, uh, the condo association up on the stand. And she said, what's the purpose of the wagon? She said, well, it makes the people feel safer. It's like a little kid wagon. You know, the kid, little kid wagon, you know, they, when you're a kid, you have a wagon. And the attorney actually said, but can't the dog jump out of the wagon? And the woman actually <laughs> said, yes. And I went, did I just hear that? So so then the wagon's meaningless. It has no purpose. Okay. If anything, it's more dangerous. 
Because if I got a dog on a leash, he's in a wagon and he jumps out. Well, now I'm going to trip over the wagon probably when the wagon goes over. <laughs> this is the dumbest thing I've heard in my life. Yeah. So she was, I think she was a little unsettled because she had the, the petition there. And she didn't know whether the, the attorney did his petition or I did it because my name's not on this. She's thinking he did it, I think. She's a little, feeling a little safe that he's not going to go against her because they're both bar members. I mean, he'll do certain things to sort of win his case, but he's not going to do other things that you and I will do, okay? I don't care about her. I'll, I'll, I'll hang her at that point. I don't care. So she asked for a continuance. And right as she got the continuance, she turns to the attorney that, that, that they had hired and she said, uh, listen, we'll want that all the fines. And as long as she pays the legal costs of $11,000, well, that ain't going to happen anyway. But so now we went from 28,000. Now we're down to $11,000. Wow. I just wiped $17,000 out with a petition to open this case up. What happened here? She just showed me her hand. You know what she just told me? Okay. So now you want the old lady to pay for the court costs, but you just told me that you're willing to waive all the fines. Well, if you're going to waive all the fines, then why did the condo association need to hire you guys to go collect the fines? Because you're waving them. What's the purpose of hiring you guys? Know what this looks like to me? This looks like a law firm, a, a petty fogger shyster law firm that's out here to extort a 78-year-old woman and take advantage of her. And as this is going on, and this is why I think there's divine intervention. You know, I'm telling you, there's, there's crazy stuff goes on, okay? Uh as this is going on, I get the, the text message from my, my ex-girlfriend saying, they asked for a continuance. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, A message, a, a document comes in to me from uh, my buddy Steve Emerson, who I talk to maybe once a week, you know, and uh, Steve said, I, I think you'll get a kick out of this. I think you'll like this one. Now, I had mentioned to Steve that I was one of the, this thing had come up about this woman about this condo association a while back, okay, like a, probably a month back. His memory's so good, he remembers that so much that he knew that he, he was just helping somebody in Florida with a similar situation, a condo association, and he went back and found a 2012 document that he had done. And he used it with this guy's situation, and he remembered, oh, Alphonse is working on this, this thing with this woman, so he sends it to me that exact day. I look at the document, I say, man, if this isn't a sign from the creator, I don't know what it is. <laughs> this woman wanted a continuance. She's willing to wave the fines. She's showing me her hand here. And now I get my buddy's document. And now I can actually add a couple things to his document that are lethal. Stuff of perjury that she created in her document. So now by the time they have this continuance hearing in two months, she's going to have bar grievance filed against her or many, many bar grievances. Because I'm going to file them. My ex-girlfriend's going to file them. The old woman's going to file them. And we're going to, every two weeks, paper cuts. Another bar agreements. Another bar agreements. Then the state criminal complaints are going to go in. Okay? Now she's looking at her insurance taking a real hit. Okay? She's going to get dinged real good on her insurance here. So by the time that, that hearing comes along, I'm probably going to have the federal suit almost written to bring them into federal district court. And, and, and I'm not going for $28,000 for the woman. I'm going to go for about $1.5 for this woman, okay? So you, you guys want to throw numbers around? Here, look at my numbers here, which you people did, okay? Uh, I'm going to prove that you people are extorting this old woman. If you want to walk into court, and I was talking to my cousin in New Zealand. He had a great idea. He goes, listen, he goes, why don't you get the smallest wagon possible? Like order like this, this tiny little wagon, you know? So he went up and researched wagons for me, sending me links for wagons. 
Beth, it's hilarious. We got these this little wagon. We're gonna like if it ever went to court, we would bring the wagon in. This little teeny wagon, pick the dog up, stuff them in the wagon, and go to the church. Do you feel safer now? <laughs> Are you feeling safer? Yeah. <laughs> no. Do you think that's worth twenty eight thousand dollars? Because he wasn't in a wagon. Should should she pay twenty eight thousand? Because that's what the case is. That's exactly what the case is about. So that's how I got in to answer your original question. That's how I got into this. And that's why I sort of stay involved in this. And my buddy, another one that just came up, you'll love. I had to, I had to give him a little boost there. My buddy Carmen bought this for me, a little custom thing. says Fadjo on the back. He he, uh, he got it sent to me. But here, he, he, get, he calls me up. He goes, Alphonse, he goes, they gave me a citation for parking on my own lawn. Parked his car on his own lawn. He could park a jet on his own lawn if he wanted to. If he could fit it on there, okay? It's none of the borough's business where he lives. That's called the borough of uh, Upland. It's none of their business where he parks. It's called property rights. He owns the property, okay? They don't own the property. And their what they call their, uh, their ordinances or their codes, they are only applicable to, they're called inhabitants, okay? An inhabitant is a... Here's the beautiful thing, and this is why I want to start to touch upon the uh, the patriot stuff here, the patriot mythology stuff. Uh, a lot of people are confused. They, they they see actions that these courts are doing; it doesn't make sense to them. They see their rights getting violated left and right; it doesn't make sense to them. And they they build this scenario up on how this has to be happening that this is commercial and they're doing this and they're doing that. When it's really what's that that saying? It's what an Occam's razor. The thing that's most obvious is probably what's the thing most easy to explain is probably what's happening. Well, the thing was obviously happening. The people considering the county or the borough, they're properly trained. Okay. And why do you think they know the law? If you don't know it, okay. Why do you because they got that job? You think they know the law? No. They get these jobs and they're, they're button pushers. Okay. They're told that hey, listen, property guy, we do this. We send these documents out. They're called assessments. You know, they're not assessments, but we send these out, you know. And if the monkey doesn't send again, Oh, I can't hear you. Sorry, you can't hear me. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> I okay. that you saw my finger at least. Yeah, we just have an audio problem of some kind. It's it's interesting. Yeah. This didn't happen until you were on the last time. <laughs> and Rockfin just uh, crashed. If, if, what's that? I said I have a lot of these audio problems. Seemingly. In, in, uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, trying yeah. to. Try, no doubt, they're trying. It's clear <laughs> now. So, yeah. Sorry to cut you off. Okay. And I just wanted to say, what you did I fall out? What did I fall out? Uh, what was I on? You, you were uh, just leading towards the patri patriot mythology. I just wanted to jump in with one thing that this. Oh, look at this. Rockfin is yeah. getting screwed with too, and it shouldn't be. But uh, hopefully, hopefully that's live. And uh, I just wanted to say, this is the King Hero's Journey podcast that uh, it's named after the hero's journey. And those those kings, now I'm not, again, putting putting Alphonse or any of my guests on a pedestal, but it's kind of rare. It became rare, the man that was willing to step out. And I just wanted to to spell out that having had your own success, having, you know, got what, uh, you know, justice in, in your own situation immediately led you to this place of helping others. And that is the theme of all of this, because sure. it's not enough for us just to slay our own demons and dragons, but to turn around and help others. And uh, so please carry on with your story. Sure. Maybe even start the story again, because the, the audio just went total completely. Sure. <clears throat> so my, my buddy Carmen contacts me, tells me he's getting these citations for parking on his own lawn, which is absolutely ridiculous. So we filed the necessary, I filed the necessary paperwork basically for him, basically telling the judge, 
to go screw herself in a legal way, in a nice legal way. Go, go away, okay? And, uh, well, here's what happens. I don't know if the judge even seen it because the clerk at that court, they if you don't send their little document in that says, you know, you didn't check their box and send their document in, they just say, oh, uh, uh, you must have pled not guilty, okay? And they, then they send you another document that's saying, we got your plea of not guilty. And now I got angry, okay? So, so now, uh, and I, I filed, I had him file an affidavit in the matter. And we'll address affidavits too and how and when they use them. You know, a lot of people are misusing affidavits. They don't understand them. But basically, we just told her, hey, listen, uh, you don't have a complaint before this court and uh, you don't have any uh, standing in this matter because it's not your property. Go away. This is a, here, this affidavit, this is our final response to you. Kiss off, pretty much is what it said. So that, that, that uh, citation went away for about four months. We didn't hear nothing. You know, nobody's trying to collect it. Nobody's calling them. So then the code inspector idiot where he lives, he decides he's going to write a second one. Okay. He's going to write number two. And here he goes. He writes number two. Okay. And he sends it to Carmen. I get, wake up Saturday morning, got a text message from Carmen with a picture of this citation. Uh, here we go again. Okay. So now I've had enough. Now I'm just going to go to the judge. So now I file a judicial complaint against the judge uh, Stone. Uh, what's her name? Uh, I forget her first name, but her last name's Stone. So I filed this judicial complaint against Judge Stone, okay? <laughs> and sent her a copy. And I said, you, know, you don't have to send them a copy. Like, you could remain anonymous if you want, you know, when you do the judicial complaints. But I send the judicial board their copy, and I sent a copy to Stone because, to me, that's the funnest part. <laughs> I love sending. It's like the, the the scene from a Bronx Tale where where they they beat the bikers up in the bar and they, they got him out on the sidewalk and it's over and Sonny grabs the guy's head and he goes, "Look at me, look at me! I did this to you. That's what I want to do to them. Okay, look at me, look at me. That's what I did to you. I want them to know. Hey, listen, you're I'm going to knock you all around this stuff. You're messing with the wrong monkey here. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so I filed a judicial complaint. I kid you not, he's visiting his. Son down in Florida, the clerk at a court calls him up, leaves him a message. <laughs> Mr. Santucci says, uh, uh, listen, we got your complaint. They took my copy of my judicial complaint. That I was only a courtesy copy I gave him just to let him know, hey, you see your boss, the judge? I just banged her with a judicial complaint. But the clerk took that, and she was reading it, and in there it incorporated the original criminal complaint I filed against the uh, code inspector with her because I knew she would never file it. I knew she wouldn't follow the law. So I wanted to set her up. So she thought that was like the clerk thought we were making a whole new criminal complaint. And she said, Mr. Santucci, said, yeah, uh, this is not set up right, but if you want to come in, we'll help you with that. They don't help you with nothing because if you have any kind of legal stuff, they'll always say, we can't give you legal advice. You've got to consult an attorney. But all they know is, I don't know, it's got my boss's name on here. This looks like some pretty bad stuff here. Maybe we better help Mr. Santucci because so he don't name us. Okay. So. <laughs> She then takes the site. She then takes that citation, and she ships it off to a neighboring court in another municipality. I don't know how that works. Like she gave it to a whole new judge. And Beth, here's why I said there's a god, and he's got a sense of humor. Okay. <laughs> Guess who this judge is? Who where it gets shipped off to? He's the judge I did about eight months ago with my traffic ticket, and I filed a hundred thousand dollar claim against them a judicial complaint against them and the department of motor vehicles that was hounding me that they were going to take my license from me went away. And that court never contacted me again. And I never seen anybody come to my door over anything. He disappeared. So lo and behold, Carmen says, look, I got this other one from this other court. Now it's the same second citation we're dealing with. 
And I look and I'm looking at the name and it says uh, Andrew Goldberg. And I said, God has a sense of humor. Because I said, Carmen, now I'm going to do a second judicial complaint against this guy within a year. It's going to hurt him badly, okay? It's going to hurt his insurance and it's going to hurt his judicial record. It's going to be a black mark on his record. And I said, but it's going to have your name on there. I said, but here's the funniest part. It's going to be sent in your name, but I'm also going to give him a fax copy from me, electronic fax copy. And just the way the fax service is set up, <clears throat> they put my name on the cover sheet no matter what. So even though it's written in Carmen's you know, thing, it's going to be my name on there. He's going to see that name, Alphonse Fagio, and say, oh, this guy again. Damn it. You know? Uh, I said, this is not good. Now, here's what's really funny with this judge, what's going to happen. He probably doesn't even know what happened, Beth. He hasn't even seen this thing yet. Here's what happened. Once that judicial complaint went against the, 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 the judge from Brookhaven, she took that, the clerk, and, and that judge said, get that out of my court. Get it out of here. Because she can't dismiss it because if she dismiss, dismisses it, Beth, she just admitted she should have been doing it in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. She don't want to dismiss it, okay? So she tells the clerk, I'm going to catch 22 here. Get this out of my court. So that clerk takes it, sends it to the other clerk. The other clerk has no idea what's going on, what's been, you know, what's transpired so far. All she knows is she's got this citation thing, and they send their standard cover letter out with Andrew's name on it. It's a pen signature. He, he didn't sign it. It's not a wet signature. It's a computer-generated signature. You don't know what happened. So the first thing Andrew's going to get, probably in a couple of days, is he's going to open up an envelope addressed to him, and he's going to see a copy of the judicial complaint that was just filed against him. Now his second of this year. Gee, maybe Andrew better clean his act up and learn what he's doing, that when he gets somebody to push back on these citations, he'll back off and go, leave this guy alone. If he doesn't want to do it, I'm going to force him to do it this way, okay? So that's some municipal stuff. And, and to go into the Patriot stuff again, here's how where I really, the light switch went for me. And when I took this as a deadly serious thing, this is not a game anymore. Can you tell us, first of all, what is the Patriot stuff? Just if you can spell that yeah, right out. That's the basic stuff that, that you have a, uh, that there's a trust set up in your name that you don't know about. And we'll address that and what, why that's so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. that, you know, that, that you're, you have this fictional person that's following you around, this fictional person that's following you around, you know, and they're treating you as the straw man. No, no, no. Okay, we'll go into that too. Okay. Uh, that your mom signed your way at birth. You know, when she signed that thing, she signed your way to the government at birth. Nonsense. That when you register your property, whether it's your car or your house, that you uh, give ownership away to the county or to the uh, state, or you grant them some kind of interest in it, totally nonsense, because people don't understand basic property rights. That's not how property rights work. We'll address that too, okay? So there's a lot of this wrong stuff out there. <clears throat> and what really got me hooked on this stuff was after I did the one Crow interview, this woman heard me on there, and... She, she had a, a, a nephew staying with her that she had to kick out of the house. And he was bitter about being kicked out. And she was growing marijuana in there. It was a big crime. She's growing marijuana in there for herself. So what? Mm -hmm. And so he goes and dimes her out, basically. And a SWAT team breaks in the house, basically. And uh, without a warrant, okay, and arrests her, confiscates all her stuff, blah, blah, blah. And she's now looking at jail time, Okay. So she writes me this long letter, you know, and she says, hey, Alphonse, she says, uh, I did all this stuff, and it's all the Patriot stuff we're talking about, Beth. The secured party creditor stuff, and I'm not the person, and then blah, blah, blah. She's doing all this. <clears throat> she's filed a ton of documents like this into this court case. Know what she said to me? Hmm. They're not listening to me. They're not hearing me. She said, now here's what really got me when she said, I'm so depressed about this. I really had thoughts about taking my own life. 
now I got to help at that point. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. like, not, not that I didn't have time, but I'm like, man, I said, I said, whatever you do, first thing I said to her, whatever you do, don't do something stupid. Don't give them the satisfaction of doing, you know, don't do something stupid. Let's go back to ground zero. Let's go back to like we let's wipe the the race the, the, the chalkboard clear. Let's go back to ground zero. Let's start all over again. Let's address everything they did wrong in this matter. No warrant. Okay, no probable cause. And all the other things they did wrong here. Let's put it in an affidavit form. You get it notarized, what you know, notary. And then we're gonna submit it into the case as a set of facts that we're gonna to wanna to move upon. Okay. And had I known at the time, this is a couple like over a year and a half ago. At the time, I probably would have just made it a motion and got the thing knocked out, you know, but uh, so, but I just did an affidavit. And I'll tell you why people are using affidavits wrong, because nobody has to respond to an affidavit. OK, that's when you re- send an affidavit to somebody, I don't care whether you say you got 30 days to respond or you got three days. It doesn't matter. They have no obligation to respond to you. <clears throat> so that's not how you move a court. You move a court with motions. So we. I said, draw your facts out for me. So she listed all the facts of what happened, and I hit all the criminal stuff that they did. And she did a lot of work herself. I mean, she she put a lot of work in herself, and she did it up. And she went to the court. Can you hear me? We're good. You know what? It's uh, yeah. It, we're we're uh, we got an audio oh, problem great. again. Just for just for a minute. Yeah, maybe no I don't know how to how to let it uh, f- figure itself out. What yeah. that is? Just yeah. Just let me know when it resyncs. When- yeah, yeah, we're good again. Oh, good. And uh, Rose is back here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, okay. I think Rockfin is not so, working. Yeah. I have a lot of these problems. So so <laughs> what had happened was uh, uh, she, she drew this affidavit up. We hit a lot of criminal stuff. Okay. Uh, she, she went down, she had a hearing and she went down to the hearing and she went to the clerk and she wanted to file the affidavit into the court matter and the clerk wouldn't take the filing. She wouldn't take the, the affidavit. So she goes to the hearing and she's got the assistant prosecutor coming after her. It's the assistant prosecutor. She says to the assistant prosecutor, they won't take my affidavit. They won't file it. He said, give it to me. I'll get it filed. Because guess what he thought it was? He thought it was another one of them Patriot documents. Patriot mythology document number 18 or whatever it was. Okay. Sure. Give it to me. I'll get it filed. Takes the affidavit. Week later, she had to come back for another hearing. She says, she's the assistant prosecutor. Hey, did you file my document? He says, uh, uh, I'm in a hole. And, uh, 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 no. Why didn't you file it? Uh, uh, <laughs> go get my affidavit, she said. Get it. And so he actually went to his office, got the affidavit. And she took the affidavit. She had a body cam on this time. And she had her cell phone camera. She went down to the clerk again. She said, I want you to file stamp every page here. I'm recording you. If you don't do this, you're basically you're tampering with government records. It's a deprivation of rights. I want you to file stamp every every document. Clerk file stamps every document, gets in the docket. Four hours later, she gets a phone call. All charges dropped. Everything gone. No prison, no nothing. She sends me this letter, this like unbelievable letter that like almost brought tears to my eyes. Where because I took somebody that was on the verge of suicide, mm-hmm. and she just did it about 180. Everything turned around for her. Amazing. And, she, and now she had some tools to use. For any future events, not to do this crazy patriot stuff, let's go file some real court documents that the courts have to acknowledge and make them answer for what they did. So that's a lot of what's going on with municipalities. And I don't know what your local area is called. We have ours are called municipalities. Uh, yes. Counties. Yeah. Counties. 
Yeah, yeah. Winnipeg is is a a, a municipality as well, I believe. <laughs> I should know this. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. When you go read actual court law, and this is why I love guy like Steve Emerson. That's my, that's my, you know, I'm a biggest Steve Emerson fanboy there is. Okay, yes. and Steve's Steve will give you the shirt off his back with knowledge. He'll teach you, you know, as much as you want to learn. Hmm. But he had me go get a copy of American Jurisprudence. Okay, and I went and read American Jurisprudence sections, and I read about municipalities. <clears throat> and here's where people are getting really messed up with this stuff. Municipality needs two things: they need a territory. Okay. Now, just because you're in the territory doesn't mean you have an obligation to them. It's like being basically being like an insurance salesman that's designated a certain territory. That's his territory. Nobody else could sell insurance in that territory but him, right? But it doesn't mean you got to buy the insurance, does it? <laughs> just because that's his territory. So a municipality has a territory. So that's what a territory is. Mm -hmm. But they want you to believe because they drew these lines around your property. They say, you know, you said you're in our, you're you're in our territory. You have this obligation to them. And the way they're moving upon that is I told you a municipality needs two things. They need a territory and they need inhabitants. What a, what a term that is, inhabited, okay? That's the actual technical legal term of it. But then uh, American jurisprudence further goes on to explain what an inhabitant is. It is a member of the corporation. Oh, are you a member of the corporation there, Beth? I'm not no. a member here. I'm no. not a member, okay? But they're going to move on that premise that you are a member, not that you're the straw man or the straw woman, Beth, anymore. they're going to move that you're one of theirs. You live in their territory and you must be one of their inhabitants. And unless you know how to cha challenge that through legal process, through filings that the courts have to acknowledge, they're going to keep moving against you. Okay. Hence why you show up to these hearings. And how many times, Beth, have you heard somebody say, they just ran over my constitutional rights. Like there was no constitution whatsoever in there. They just they just did whatever uh, they did whatever they wanted. All the Here's time. Here's what's going on. Remember, I said they're considering you're a member of the corporation, right? A member of their corporation because you're an inhabitant. It's like you being an employee of McDonald's. Okay. Well, if you did something wrong at McDonald's, you didn't wear your brown pants, Beth. You came in with blue pants and yellow sneakers. You're out of you're out of uniform, McDonald's uniform. They're gonna call you before their little board, aren't they? Their administrative hearing they're gonna have, aren't they? Hey, Miss Martins, you know you're supposed to wear brown pants. You know you're supposed to wear white shoes. You got blue pants on and yellow shoes. We're going to have to fine you. Is there any constitution involved in that in any way? Mm -mm. No, because you're a member of the administration, right? You violated some codes of the administration. You're an employee of the administration. That's the same thing that your municipalities are doing to you. You're an inhabitant. So they're not even looking at your constitutional rights because you have a duty. You're a member of that municipality. You've got a duty to perform, duties and obligations, unless you challenge it and say, no, 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 hold on a second. Uh, my my house is not your territory. You know how I have proof that my house is not in your territory? Beth, could the county show up to my house and walk in my house? Not legally. They would need a warrant, wouldn't they? Mm -hmm. Well, if this is their property and this is their under their jurisdiction, could they just walk in? You know, I, I got rental properties uh, a couple towns over. I could walk, just walk into them. Wouldn't be not real nice of me without giving notice to the owner, okay? But I could just walk in them properties and nobody could stop me, okay? They're my properties. I own them. I have jurisdiction over them. Well, it's the same thing that your municipalities are doing with you. So that's how one of the ways you noted that you're not in their territory because they just can't walk in your property. They would need a warrant to come into your property, basically. 
So, and, so Alphonse, was there some kind of swap out there, the the, the straw man? Because you know, you have a, a similar concept here where they've they've named you a thing and and made you part of their corporation. So it's you know, it's it's the same concept. I wouldn't say they named you a thing. I would just say that they're saying that you're one of their members because you're in their territory, and Beth, they must be they're providing you benefits. They're picking your trash up. They're doing this for you. They're giving you library services. But these are things they were supposed to do anyway, because here's what happened. When they became a municipality, yours and mine, they have charters. Every municipality has a charter, just like a company has a charter, okay? They were granted rights to tax businesses in their municipality. That's how they make their money. They can tax McDonald's and Boeing and, you know, Taco Bell. And the money that they collect from that charter, from the, the, the taxing ability they have, they're supposed to provide services to me and you, okay? That was the deal that they made. But over the years, it got watered down and people got dumbed down and they had the people start believing that they're supposed to pay for all these services. They're not, whether it's school, whether it's anything, okay? We did it to ourselves. I mean, yeah, they did it to us, but we did it to ourselves because we became basically – I got relatives that are – book-wise, they blow me away, but like knowledge-wise – but they don't want to bounce off the walls. They don't want to make waves. So they just sort of go along with the program. And this is what they bank on, that people are going to sort of go along with this or be intimidated when they get that letter from their lawyer. Because mm -hmm. remember, when you get the battle with your local municipality, it's not the borough manager that's sending you a letter. It's going to be the attorney for the borough manager. I love attorneys, okay? I tear attorneys up. Because mm -hmm. here's the beautiful thing. And why another thing I push people to do what we're doing and we're not doing anything revolutionary we're doing what the law is because that attorney i told you that i beat up i could do things he can't do okay i could do things he won't do so if i can get my knowledge on a par with his and i think right now because it sounds arrogant he has 40 years experience i'd kick his ass all over the place Beth. in federal district court i'll kick his ass in local court doesn't matter he either doesn't know the law at certain points or he's just been so indoctrinated how the law works because they're really not taught certain things in law school. They're really not. A lot of them are not real good litigators, believe it or not. They're taught this is how we do things. This is the way we do it. So it doesn't matter what his education is. I will do things he cannot do because he's afraid of that judge that he's in front of. He's dangling by his bar card with that judge. That judge could snap that bar card right away from him. He's not an attorney no more. But when me and him are in front of the judge, I don't care about that judge. I'll walk out of here and go file a judicial complaint against that guy and send it to him to let him know I did it. Here you go, judge. I did this to you. You want to get this on again next hearing? I'll do another one. And then when I get tired of messing around with you, then I'm going to see you in federal district court. And you can come in and try and tell me how you have immunity when you acted blatantly without jurisdiction. Because judges, my understanding is, yeah, judges have immunity until they do something that's illegal or, or against the rules. Well, he can't act without having the jurisdiction established. And if he don't have a complaint in front of him, which they rarely never ever do, he's got no subject matter jurisdiction to hear the matter. I know he right. has no personal jurisdiction over me. But so if he continues on doing things and making orders and rules, well, now he's going to waive his immunity when he gets sued in federal district court because he don't have good. 
Yeah, I was just going to jump in because yeah. in, the thing that that uh, lawyer has against them is the membership in the bar, the membership in that corporation. They have prostituted themselves saying, I want all the benefits that you have to offer and I'm going to follow everything you do and be in, uh, in fear of you and listen to you. And then, so you don't have that. You have, you have that autonomy, you have that freedom. And, uh, and so this, this is where we're at. And, and I still don't see the difference because it does not, does that, um, not come from you as a living, breathing man under God? Is that, is that why you can act fearlessly compared to, you know, giving up and trading, trading your identity as a, as a living man for a member of this corporation, whatever it is. And yeah, see, Mm -hmm. Good, good. I, I don't even look at it as, as a member of the corporation. I just, I don't look okay. at it as a man, okay? I, I just look at it as, it's really no more complicated than you have public servants that are not following well-established laws, okay? Now they're doing that either out of ignorance or flat-out corruption, or maybe a combination of the two they're doing it out of, okay? It's really nothing to do with a trust or a straw man. These are people violating well-established laws. And like Steve tells me over and over again, he banged it in my head early, this would, would deprogram me. Those laws and codes and rules, they're damn near perfect. But okay? don't they break their own laws all the time? Yes, they do. And that's what makes it so easy to set them up. Okay? Right. You need to understand that they're breaking them. Because, yeah, they're breaking them all the time. But if you're in court and they're breaking it in front of you and you don't know what the laws are, how are you going to know to challenge it? You're mm -hmm. not. So you're mm -hmm. going to get railroaded. But if you take, like, the jurisdictionary course and, you, you know, you're up there reading the stuff that Steve does – you're going to know, wait a minute, he just broke this rule, that rule, that rule. I'm going to bargain with the attorney. I'm going to file a judicial complaint against the uh, judge. And now I'm going to file criminal complaints. And now I'm going to sue these people in federal district court and bring them in and then let them explain, Beth, how they broke these rules. Because like you said, they broke the rules all the time. Mm -hmm. And yes, they do. That's what makes them so easy to set them up. Because now they got to come and like, like Dr. Grace told me, he's the creator of jurisdictionary. He said, listen, you got to make your record down in these little courts, these little local courts. I call them kangaroo courts. Your little mm -hmm. local courts, your, your municipality courts, they're kangaroo courts. Or what they are. where they mute you. That That is a whole other thing that's a, a bar in my, in my rear end, that whole thing, the uh, whole Zoom hearing thing. You know, that, That's a violation of due process. If we're having a Zoom hearing, me and you, and I'm asking questions to somebody, how do I know you don't have a chat window open and somebody's feeding you the answers when I ask you a question? How do I know somebody's not off to the side feeding you answers? Okay. How can I read your body language? You know, there's guys, professional poker players make a living out of reading people's body language. This guy does this one little thing. He might touch his nose when he's lying or, or whatever. They fought, It's a tell, basically. Well, it's the same thing, no different than when you're questioning somebody. When somebody's lying to you, don't they, like, avoid their eye contact with you? Isn't that, like, a common thing among, like, lying? Like, when somebody's talking to you, they usually look away from you? Well, how can I tell if you're looking away from me if I'm on a Zoom meeting with you? All right. How do I know if you're not looking me in the eye? So these little things are powerful things when you find, you, you know, somebody's lying to you. You can get, you can tell that they're uncomfortable the way they're moving. They're fidgeting like this. They're, they don't look comfortable because they don't know the answers to what you're asking. And now they're starting to realize that what you're asking them, you just could, could go into criminal matters. I really don't know what I'm doing in my job. I look incompetent sitting up here, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like when I had the sewer authority woman up there and I asked her, how did I get on your customer role? She said, uh, well, when, uh, when the title company does the search, when you buy the property, they, they do the search, if there's any liens, uh, we take that information and uh, we check with the county to make sure that the, that the name we got matches up with the person that bought the house. And then we add them to the customer roll. So then they got a record request after I walked out of that hearing saying, 
me being an average man with average intelligence, <laughs> having read everything tied to the sewer authority, cannot find any legally promulgated, uh, le legally or lawfully promulgated document that explains this process that she testified to under oath. I can't find it nowhere. Please provide it to me because she spoke fluently about it on the stand. So she's very well uh, acclimated with it. She must be have this in a, a little filing drawer. She could take it out, just copy it and send it to me so I can read it. Should have got that back in five days in a record request. And right away, they asked, we need a 30-day extension. Well, gee, you know what that is? Because they don't have no answers. Because I got her in two cases of perjury by doing that. And we're talking about they break the rules all the time. Yeah, they do. But I knew from reading the uh, the Sewer Authority Act, because that's what you got to do. You got to read stuff. People don't read. that. They don't read. Mm -hmm. When you read the Sewer Authority Act, when she mentioned the customer thing, I'm like, I've never seen that customer process anywhere. Then they, then they created another process. And this is why I tell people this. I want you to realize what they're doing to you. And if you don't challenge it, they're just going to steamroll you with it. So then back in 2019, when I first got in this little battle with the sewer authority, now they're the sewer authority. They're not the water provider. They're the sewer authority, okay? Separate companies. So I get this constable to come out with this notice. They're going to shut my water off if I don't file an affidavit by this certain date. So I go and look at the Water Services Act they cite. Nowhere can I find, well, nowhere can I find in there. The first She got up on the stand in that same hearing and she testified. I said, uh, explain to me how, these, uh, how this uh, process of shutting uh, my water off is accomplished from the sewer authority. How do they, they do this? And she went through this process that they, they contact the sewer authority to get your water usage. And from your water usage, that's what they bill you off of, okay? How much water you use. And then if you don't pay it, then they have your water shut off. Well, that process she just described there doesn't exist anywhere in any written document, okay? This is a custom practice and policy that these people have done for years, just like your people do with your local stuff. These are customs, practices, and policies that they, they do. They just do them. They don't know anything about the law, whether it's right or wrong or different. They just do it, you know, until you go, hey, wait a minute. I'm going to put a record request in. I need this. I need to see where this is because here's what real law is, Beth. Me and you, the average man or woman, got to be able to look at it, read it, and know who it pertains to and, and how it pertains to us, okay? Uh, we can't look at it and see like a bunch of legal mumbo-jumbo in there and go, I can't make heads or tails of this because if it's written like that, it's not written for me and you. It's written for an attorney. Attorney dealing with another attorney, not written for me and you. Constitution here is like very basic. Listen. That's why it's like that. Case in point, Article 1, Section 6, Pennsylvania Constitution. Now, I don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. It states, trial by jury is inviolate. Done. Drop the mic. Permanent. That's what that means. Can't be messed with. Not too hard to, uh, mis to misunderstand that, but that's why it's written that way, because it's written for the average man or woman to understand. So when you get a lot of gobbledygook somebody gives you with this code, this law, and you're looking at it going, man, he Looks like, you know, uh, quadratic equations or something here. You know, I, I can't understand this. It's not written for you. And that's that's the first hint that what you got there doesn't apply to you. But you need to know how to go after it and, and tackle it legally. So it's the municipality said, sure, go, go, go. So then do you think it's a whole invention, the straw man, the birth certificate? And, you know, I just have a very quick story. I hosted somebody that uh, is here in Canada. And five, six years ago, they 
turned in their birth certificate, they redacted it, they, you know, removed all all licenses, registration, everything. Uh, they even tried to unsubscribe from their social insurance number. They weren't successful on that. <laughs> and and they floated through life for five years until very recently, boom, they picked him up on on a ruse, said he wasn't wearing a, a seatbelt, he was, and they threw him in jail. And uh, now there's a warrant out for his arrest, right? So it's a little bit now, you can almost go both ways. Like, do they plant a guy like that? I don't want to uh, insult him. I, you know, he's he's a real living, breathing man. But, uh, you know, do they plant that to, to make us feel like, yeah, don't do anything with the birth certificate because it's useless? Or is it is it the other way around that they've invented all of that to just mislead us? It could be like uh, I, I talked to Dr. Graves, the, the creator of jurisdiction, and he, he thinks it's like a, a psyop that that somebody planted mm -hmm. this. They want people to get involved in this, you know. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, yeah, he, he thought he was flying clean for five years, and so they got him. Okay, yeah. Uh, I just got somebody today. They just uh, messaged me in the, uh, the the Telegram chat. Uh, these state nationals. I'm a state national. I'm a state national. Well, he got picked up. They took his car. <laughs> they impounded his car. He got arrested. Well, what happened to your state national? <laughs> what, what happened? You went back to the organizers that taught you this crap, and what happened? They couldn't tell you anything, could they? They couldn't help you. So that's what this stuff is. And if you think that's like that, he thought that here's the problem I have with, with a guy like that. I don't, I don't blame him. Listen, yeah, I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm just saying, mm -hmm. just think about it. You mean to tell me <laughs> you think this is an acceptable way of how the society is set up that you must now erase every mark of yourself in the society? to sort of become uh, invisible within the society so that you could hopefully be left alone. Like this is a normal way that, that men and women function in, in the world. I, I don't buy that. I'm sorry. You know what? Those laws and those statutes you have are written for you. The problem we have is we weren't taught how to use them. That was done on purpose. Guy like Steve Emerson, Steve didn't erase himself from history. Like the birth certificate. He don't do any of that stuff. Okay. Listen, he don't pay property taxes, okay? He's got about three dozen properties throughout the country off the property tax rolls. His buddy, who they stole his house for property taxes and arrested him in his own house as a vagrant. The title holder of the house got arrested as a vagrant in his own house because the county said they now own the house because the property taxes. They now own the house. So they locked him up. Well, that led to a uh, $400 million lawsuit being filed and a uh, $38.2 million settlement where they had to kick the family out of the house that had the house. They tried to get the – now, here's the funny part, Beth. When this negotiation was going on, there was a family living in the house because they sold tax certificates on it. There's a family living in the house. Now they're negotiating with the guy that they stole the house from. Him and Steve are sitting there, and they're saying – Steve said when they got to about $5 million offer – they wanted John, who they stole the house from, with the family living in there, to sign the house over to them. Wait a minute. I thought it was your house. You got a family living in there. You sold tax certificates on there. Now you want John to sign the house over to you? What's that tell you? They got caught. They knew, they, they knew that only the title holder, the property owner, can sell the property. You can't sell property unless you're the owner. You got to be the title holder, okay? So that settled. The way that, that shook out is it settled a $38.2 million settlement. Uh, he got the house back and Steve said, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to take all the meters off the house. We don't want you people anywhere on the house. We don't want anyone on that property anymore after what you people did. They took his gas meter off, his electric meter off, his water meter off. He gets free utilities for life. Okay. They don't mess with him. They don't mess with Steve. And Steve said where he lives in Orlando, Florida, the code inspector idiot, 
You know, the, you know the guys that say you put a roof on your house, you got to go get a permit? They don't come within a three-block radius of his house because when they do, he sues the hell out of them, okay? They'll contact him. Steve, the code idiot's around again. Uh, let's go ring him up. Boom, they, they filed a suit. They, they, can't, they have to settle again. The county settles or whoever, the code inspector, the local code inspector settles, the borough, the township, and they stay away from the neighborhood because they don't want to get sued because Steve knows the law. And the people around him are starting to know the law. They know how to keep these people away from them. So I'm just trying to enforce the people. Don't think that just because you don't understand a process that's going on, that must be this straw man thing. And let me show you the, the ridiculous of the straw man thing. Let me explain it to you this way. I'm no expert in trust, okay? But I know basic law. I know basic contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can make you a beneficiary, Beth, in a trust, okay? Uh, but you have no duties or obligations because I've made you this beneficiary. All right. And you don't even have to accept the benefits of what the trust is going to provide to you. You can say, no, I don't, I don't want any of it. You have no obligation. Now, say I did that. I make a trust up. I make Beth Martin my, my beneficiary. I can't go writing securities on your name now. I can't go securitize your name, whether it's a birth certificate or whether it's a, ha- a mortgage or whatever or a car loan. I can't securitize your, your, your name because it's not done with your knowledge. OK, that's called securities fraud. And if somebody were to do that, they would go to jail real quick, okay? In an instant, they would go to jail. And to prove that, we helped a guy in our Telegram group. Um, he had a loan with a Barclays, okay? And he, he was having trouble paying the loan. But he, he did the smart thing. He contacted Barclays, and he came to new terms, okay? They, they helped him out. They, they lowered the terms. Well, when Barclays decided they wanted, whatever, for whatever reason, they wanted to move on and get rid of the loan, uh, they wrote the loan off you hear me? Have trouble? Yeah, it just went down. It's interesting because I was just muting okay. to, to uh, respond to somebody. I, I was going to ask if uh, someone could share yeah. Alphonse's Telegram group link in the chat, please. <clears throat> That'll give people a, a chance to to uh, get on there. And let's see what the sound is like now. How is it? Okay, can you hear me now? You yeah, right? it's good. I don't know. Every time I hit that mute okay. button, I won't do that anymore. Yeah. So what they did with this gentleman yeah. was uh, when Barclays decided that they wanted to get rid of the loan, they, they wanted to, they, for some reason, however they did it, uh, a, a, another lender bought the loan. But here's what somebody from Barclays did. They wrote the loan off with their insurance company, just like a loss. Okay? They, they did it just like a loss. So the new buyer of the loan, this guy would have never known anything happened. Okay? He just got it. All he knows is some new lender bought the loan. They wanted to go back to the old terms. That weren't going to work for him. And he couldn't do that. And so they said, well, then we're going to foreclose on you. We're going to come get the house. Now they're threatening them, okay? So now the guy's starting a foreclosure process, the new the new attorney for the new buyer to loan. And he's got a judge rubber stamping everything he does. Like it's nothing, you know? Yep, yeah, rubber stamp. So he we, we tell him, this is when we're still in the affidavit kick. We, 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 like I said, we would have done it a different way right now. But he starts, he created an affidavit in this matter. And he, he, first thing we had him do, here's the first thing we had him do. You always want to get the documents. Anytime you're going to f- fight something, whether it's a traffic ticket or anything, go to the clerk, get the, get the documents. If it's a company, go to the company, ask for all the documents. You want to see what they got, okay? So he gets all the documents from, from the people at Barclays, all right? Uh, somebody must have did him a favor. I don't think this is accident, Beth, or somebody did him a favor, but they put the document in there that shows that it was already declared to the insurance company and paid. So in other words, the loan was already satisfied. I think somebody from Barclays probably did him a favor because they knew what was going on. 
and they, they had no liability in the matter. Barclays washed their hands. They were done. I think somebody might have dropped the document in there for him to see. And once he got that document, we had him go to the SEC and file a complaint with the SEC. Hey, this guy over here, look, here's the, here's the document. This loan was paid off by the insurance company. And this guy over here is contacting me, threatening to take my home. He's claiming that this is security. He's got a judge doing it too, working with him. Once he filed that with the SEC and the SEC got back to him and said that they're going to pursue this, within 24 hours, it came to a settlement. Okay. So not only did his original loan go away, they flew a guy out to his house and got out of a car. Okay. And gave him a $350,000 check. Now, here's the funny part about it. This guy's uh, father-in-law was a judge on his, on his wife's side. And all the brothers were lawyers. And he's a truck driver, Beth. He's just a lowly little truck driver, okay? He said, they always look down on me because I'm a truck driver, you know? I'm blue, blue collar, you know, they're white collar. His, his, his father-in-law was there when he gave him the check. His father-in-law was stunned. Nobody said that when he looked at his paperwork that, that we drew up. We helped him. He drew it up, and we put him in the right direction. He said, whoever you wrote this against is in a whole lot of trouble. Because we went after the basic stuff. Hey, hey, so let was paid off. Here's the document. We'll go to the SEC now. We'll, we'll let them talk to you, explain how you created a security for something that was already paid off. Mm. So this is this is the danger of securities fraud. The reason they, they came to the table so quick, because that judge would have lost his judgeship. That attorney would have lost his bar card. And these people might have went to jail. So funny how they run to the table so quickly when you show them their liability and, and what dangers they face, okay? Because... They're not going to be afraid of you unless you show them that you can cause harm or damage to them in some way. Okay. You, you could strike back. So that's the main thing is, is you know, I, I can't write securities on your name, Beth, if I made you a beneficiary in a trust. So Rob B is asking, uh, why is your name traded on Dun and Brown street? So uh, I, that, that's, I have no idea what he's talking about. My name's traded. That's the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. My name's traded on Dun and Brown street. Prove it to me. Yeah. Idiot. Come on. Come yeah, on. That, there is that, that's just dumb stuff. I don't have it handy, but there is a place that you can go and look up your, your birth certificate. But you think that's all fraud? That is that an invention? Yes, guess what? There ain't nobody ever gonna walk into a court hearing and say that that's I, I own Mr. Patel's birth certificate. I securitized it. I I, I traded on bull crap, okay? Those guys I, I just tune them out because they, they have no idea what they're talking about. These people are clueless, Beth. I'm telling you they're clueless. Now, listen, you can go listen to the guy like they told you that he, he he got rid of all his stuff and he was good for five years. And then they picked him up, arrested him and took his car. Or you learn from people like uh, Dave Merlin, Randy Kelton and Steve uh, Emerson that has over, you know, 40, somewhere between 40, and 50 million dollars of actual cash settlements in matters. Mm -hmm. So when I want to listen to the guy tell me my things being traded on Don and Bradstreet. I'm going to listen to Steve Emerson who does this and has shown me how to do this. No, I, I sorry. I just tune that stuff out. That stuff makes me angry. Because that's yeah. how people that's how people lose homes, okay? But you, you know how many messages I get from people that said, uh, can you help me with this foreclosure matter? Well, what's going on with it? What'd you do? Oh, I, I did an accepted for value thing on my trust to pay off the mortgage. Mm -hmm. Well, they're gonna take the house from you, okay? You can't you can't renege on a loan. Can't do it. Can't do it, okay? But they believe this patriot stuff that you know they're, they're securitizing my birth certificate. My name's being traded on Dunn and Bradstreet. No, it's not. Stop it. Okay, and, and God, God, please show that to me. You, you want to send that to me? Send me the documents of my name being traded because I would love to see it because I, I'll go collect about $10, 20000000 million against these people for securities fraud. I'll put them all in jail. 
Ain't nobody trading my name. Um, so another the thing with uh, affidavits, people think that, uh, as I told you, if you submit an affidavit, somebody's got to respond to it. They don't. Okay. All, all, all you do with an affidavit, when you submit an affidavit, you're just laying out the facts. You're showing them, hey, here's here's the laws you're breaking. Here's the rights you're violating. And we kids, we call them like, we, we turn them into what's called a, a tort letter, T-O-R-T, tort letter. And we'll do it like in a matter of like a cease and desist notice. Hey, cease and desist from acting. Here's what, here's the rights you violated here. Okay. And uh, uh, here's how, here's your opportunity to cure basically at the end. Hey, listen, pay me $10,000 because if you don't, now I'm going to bring it in federal district court. And maybe I'm going to go for 10 or a hundred times this amount. Uh, and, and they don't have to answer that, that affidavit, but all it does is it puts you on the record with them of where you stand so that when they get sued, okay, it's not like it's a surprise to them where they come in and say, hey, we, Ms. Martin never let us know about this. She didn't, she didn't tell us anything. And it also puts them on notice because when I file civil suits, even though there are civil suits in federal district court, there's criminal stuff I put in there. And I asked for the impoundment of a grand jury to look at these crimes that were committed. Okay. So now if I sent you two months ago, Beth, I sent you an affidavit. I told you, hey, here's all the crimes you're committing against me. Well, one of the main elements of a of criminal act is a, it's a, of, a, of a crime is basically there has to be criminal intent. You had to willingly have done that. Well, there's no way that you get an affidavit from me two months ago telling you you're committing these crimes. You turn around and say, I didn't realize I was doing that to Mr. Fadjol. I didn't understand that I was doing that. Now I just took criminal intent away from him. Don't mm -hmm. tell me you didn't have criminal intent. I sent the affidavit to you. Now he could say, well, I didn't read it. That's your problem. Here's a certified mail number. You received it on this date. You were told to back away from me. That's why we're here right now, okay? So he can't say he didn't have criminal intent. Puts him in a real bad position. And, and what I'm trying to stress to people is when you write these pleadings up, that's your court case, uh, and you can litigate it. If you do it properly, you're not going to trial, Beth. You're not going to trial. You're not going to have a trial with a jury. Mm -hmm. They can't go to trial with you because when they, like Steve's case, $400 million suit, they could have lost. Now, when they lose that suit, open public court, it's on the record. It's precedent. Now everybody can go take Steve's documents, download them, slap their name on them, and go file against the county. Now the whole county thing collapses. The whole, the whole property tax system collapses. They can't have that. Mm -hmm. And this is with, with every matter. If you have your paperwork proper and you can litigate it, you're going to drive them to the early settlement table because they're not going to be able to answer you and explain how they're doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, do you uh, know of websites for Steve Emerson and, and Dave Marlene? Uh, Dave Marlene is wevgov.com. W-E-V-G-O-V.com. Uh, Steve doesn't have a website. Steve's, Steve's like Batman, okay? Steve's like, uh, you know, you flash the bat light in the air when you need Steve, you know? The wevgov.com. I just want to see if I got that right. Yeah, wevgov.com. And, and Dave specializes in criminal complaints, uh, state and federal criminal complaints, lethal stuff. You want to get somebody's attention? You really want to get somebody's attention? Go get some of Dave's criminal complaints. He actually has some up there for free, but I would – Get his course. It doesn't cost that much. Get his course. <clears throat> Go file some criminal complaints against some local people. Okay, you want you want like Dave said. I didn't get take, taken seriously. He said until I start filing criminal complaints against people, because they're not used to the monkeys filing criminal complaints against them. But criminal complaints have teeth. They do things. They make people have to either act on them and pursue them, or to deny them. 
And here's what goes on with these criminal complaints. Like I, I filed a ton of criminal complaints around here. And they, you always get the letter back from the DA and it's checked off. There's no probable cause. Well, guess what? Beth? I've, I've filed maybe a couple dozen criminal complaints. Then they should have came and arrested me by now. You know why? I must be filing frivolous criminal complaints. Filed a couple dozen criminal complaints and they're not moving on anything. And so I must be just filing frivolous criminal. They, they're supposed to come arrest me. Ain't nobody coming to arrest me. You know why? Because they know what's in those criminal complaints. If it actually goes under the microscope in a real court with a real judge, they're in trouble. So they, they just want to make it go away. So they say no probable cause. And then what you'll learn is whatever problem was coming at you will sort of dissipate into the ether. And you won't hear from these people anymore. Because word gets around, hey, we got this guy filed criminal complaints against you for forgery. He's saying you did this. Then they start talking to the lawyer. And you know, and now they see the, the legal peril that they're facing. And it's amazing how things go away like this. Okay, mm -hmm. they, they, they dissipate. Mm -hmm. um, Can I jump in with a question? Sure. So, you know, being in Canada and uh, working with a lot of people that you do have a Canada centric group. I don't think they call it that anymore. There's there's another name for it, <clears throat> but I know you can ask for it if you go into your group and uh, and you can hook up. So so this might be mythology, but we were we were led to believe by some local, um, you know, gurus or whomever. I don't follow gurus anymore at all. I'm over it. But uh, they were saying that the reason that your process works is because the U.S. has a bona fide constitution, which Canada does not. The constitution was never ratified, right? So all of our the foundation for our law doesn't exist. Do you, do you uh, know about this? Can you talk about it? Is is that true that it 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 backs up to your constitution? Is there any legal document in Canada where somebody actually filed it? Or is there a court case that states that Canada's uh, constitution was never ratified, so it's therefore null and void? Is there anything there that actually states that, or is this somebody's opinion because it wasn't ratified? I, I, you know, I've heard, I've heard it from a number of different people. Uh, oh, I, I've heard the from a number of yes, people Yes, I know. True, true <laughs> yeah. enough. True enough. But I, I believe it can be traced, like right down to the actual document and the wording, and uh, you know, it's the legalese and the, and the. I, I, I uh, haven't memorized why that. Yeah, it's got to be the court exist. decision. Here's Beth. When somebody tells you okay. that, go produce the court document. It's got to be in a court hearing somewhere that somebody came out and stated, "Oh, by the way." These constitutional rights don't exist because this was never ratified. I never looked at your stuff. How much you want to bet me, or I'll bet this person, that he'll never find a court document in Canada with a ruling that stated that there is no constitutional rights because this thing was never ratified. These are what we call patriot mythology lore. You can get these little things that float around. Bottom line, when somebody tells me something, show it to me in the law, show it to me in the court document. How many times people come on my Telegram group and they'll put they'll, they'll put uh, they'll put either a news story up there about it, what a what a court decision meant, or they'll cite something in a little blurb, like just a little section. And when I go and read the actual court case, when I go in there and look at the document, I can't find anything in there that that references anything that they they just posted. So there's a lot of misinformation that gets spread. So when people tell me that stuff, I hear that same thing with our constitution. Well, the constitution became corporate in 1860 when this one got rid of the original constitution. You know what? When I go into that court case and I cite in constitutional rights that I have that are known that I have, well, Samson, I have, ain't nobody coming back to me and saying, well, no, you're Mr. Fagel, you're a trust. And oh, by the way, that, that doesn't apply to you because this was not the original constitution. This is the 1860 constitution. And this is corporate. Now you're now corporate. They don't do that, Beth. Okay. There's a lot of things people tell you. And then when you put 
when the rubber meets the road and you actually can move the case and get it in the court, all that stuff they're telling you doesn't happen. One of the big myths over here, Beth, is the U.S. citizen thing. I'm not a U.S. citizen. Uh, the 14th Amendment over here makes you a slave. No, it doesn't, you dummy. The 14th Amendment is probably the most powerful tool you have when you go to federal district court. Here's what it states. You can't have separate classes of citizens. You have equal protection under the law. So now look what's happening with the mask mandate or the vaccination stuff. Mm -hmm. You show up to work, you got two classes of people, vaccinated and unvaccinated. Well, now they've created two classes of people. Is that equal protection under the law, Beth? No. Nope. I got to get vaccinated? And these people that don't, that do get vaccinated, some of them are giving bonuses. They're giving things that the other people don't have. That's not equal protection under the law. There's your 14th Amendment. There's your U.S. citizenship that you hate so much that you want to run from. And I could pull up case law in, in the U.S., real law, not what people blurb about or makes you a slave. I can pull up actual case law where it states uh, sovereign and citizen are one and the same. So when you hear that term sovereign citizen, there's actual federal court cases, U.S. Supreme Court cases that say sovereign and citizen are one and the same and that the people are sovereign. They announce that the people are sovereign. It's a known thing. So we were talking about earlier, Beth, about uh, psyops. What's the term they want everybody to run away from over here in the U.S. or even over there probably? Sovereign citizen. How many times you heard that? Mm -hmm. oh, people run from that term. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't be a sovereign citizen. Sovereign's king and, and, and citizen means slave. See, they got people running away from the things that help them. You know, they got them so befuddled and, and, because they don't understand. They don't go through and actually study uh, what the actual law is and, and what it isn't. And that's why one of the things I want to tell you people, and, and uh, first thing we do with our people, listen. There's a gentleman out there named uh, Dr. Graves. He's an, he's an attorney. He's been an attorney for like over 40 years, okay? He's, he's a real attorney. He actually worked on like a fishing boat and was a bartender. He wasn't like, he didn't come with the silver spoon kind of attorney, okay? He didn't get his law degree until he's 39, okay? This guy worked his butt off to be an attorney. And uh, uh, he is not real uh, keen with the way the bar operates. Uh, he knows. He sees what they're doing. He, he sees they're taking advantage of the people because the people have been so dumbed down. So he developed this course called Jurisdictionary, okay? $250 that you have a year, basically, to, to, to go through it. There's written documents. There's uh, video recordings. There's audio. Uh, but it will take you from ground zero. If you know no, no law experience, no legal experience, it will take you from ground zero and teach you what happens to file, how you file a case, what to do when a case is filed against you, how to, how to co conduct discovery, you know, and... <laughs> And would it be um, good internationally, like for people around the world here in Canada? Yeah, I think I'm going to get a hearing. group together That's to go through the course. Yeah, we're hearing that from, we got people from the UK that have been buying it that said it's useful. And we got people mm -hmm. from uh, Australia that, bought, that say it's useful. And we got people from Canada that bought it from C. Now, listen, our laws are different. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But the legal processes are very similar. There might be certain different things, but, but like the discovery process is probably very similar in both places. People don't understand how important discovery is in a case. Okay. And I'm going to explain to you real quick what discovery is. Mm -hmm. And this is why we tell people, so you get involved in a traffic matter, Beth. Okay. And someone tells you, Hey, Beth, file this affidavit, but don't call it an affidavit. Call it a, a what do they call it? A, a, an aff a testament of the living woman or something in the form of an affidavit because they can't call it an affidavit. They got to make up some other thing. No, call it an affidavit. Okay. So you file an affidavit into that case. That court, not, you're not going to move that court. That court has no obligation to do anything with that affidavit. You need to keep, people need to get in their head. 
we move courts, okay? The other party can move the court and you can move the court, okay? That court doesn't do anything until one of us move the court. The only way I can move that court isn't by way of like a motion, a precipice, a petition, or an actual lawsuit to get this thing going, okay? You got to move the court, okay? You got to learn how to move the court. But here's the beautiful thing is when you file your lawsuit, it's the same in my country and in Canada and, and the UK, the other side has to give you an answer. Well, if I file an affidavit in there, nobody's got to give me an answer about anything, okay? But if I file a lawsuit against the other side, I, I got to get an answer back from them. They got to answer what I put in there point for point. They got to answer. Now, here's the beautiful part. When I file that lawsuit, I could start what's called the discovery process. Now, you, you're going to love this. How would you like to ask like the most killer questions that you could think up to the other side? And they got to answer. them. And here's what discovery is. One, it, it's called admissions. Three yes, no questions. Hey, do I have a right to due process? There's a, there's a killer one, okay? Yes. <laughs> hey, when you issued this judgment against me without a hearing, was that due process? Now what do they do? That question. What are they going to say? Yes, that's due process? See what I'm saying? You, you, they're, your, they're your yes, no questions. That's your first part, mm -hmm. admissions. So you, you all your killer questions, your admissions. And then once you get your admissions, then you move on to what's called interrogatories. These are like an ask you sentences. Hey, Beth. <laughs> Please explain to me how the commercial transportation code, driving code, applies to me in my personal automobile, my private automobile. Please explain to me how, how that, or, or please tell me what commercial activities are taking place in my automobile. You know, you could ask them killer questions. They're your interrogatories. They're questions you can ask. That's your interrogatories. And you could build, all, you could build those interrogatories off your admissions. Because when you get those admissions back, now you go in for the kill. Now we go to the number three, request for documents. Provide me the document that gives you authority to tax my property. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love this. I heard this in, 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 uh, FOI uh, reports, right? Like actual actual documents that, that right. prove <laughs> that they don't have, right? And that's not the statute, it's not the order, not the constitution. Think about it this way. The FOIA requests are out-of-court things. They're, they're, I call them pre-discovery. They're good. Mm -hmm. They're going to... First thing we have people do, I, I do them here all the time. Discovery, I call them at their freedom of information requests. They're called right to know requests. Okay. Some call them FOIA, some call them whatever. Mm -hmm. But th that's your pre court thing. Okay. Uh, you you want to do that. It's called, I call that pre discovery. So you can get a lot of damaging information from them. Like here, when I'm going to sue the county for the tax stuff, well, I, from knowing Steve and knowing how to do this stuff, and I found the tax code in the Pennsylvania tax code, it states return by taxpayer. In order to ascertain the amount of the assessment, the tax that they want to charge you, there must be return filed. Title 724843.1, Pennsylvania. So I do a record request with the county. Please provide me the return on this property. We have no such record to meet your request. Thank you very much. Now when I bring in federal district court, you just told me that you're not following the Pennsylvania tax code. You made your own tax code up. You're simulating legal process. Because the process you're doing is not written anywhere on paper. You made it up in your head. You guys, that's your custom practice and policy you guys are doing. Not written on paper anywhere. So that's how you use out of like your FOIA request, your, your record request. Now when you get in a lawsuit with them, now they, now they can't even dance around it. Because in a with a record request, you can only ask for records. You can't ask for information. 
Okay. You could ask for information in the form of a record, but but I can't get them to answer me a question mm-hmm. in a record request. Right. No, though sometimes they will do that. They're so arrogant and they're so oh, you catch them in such bad positions that the attorney feels compelled to not only tell you he doesn't have the record, but now he's going to explain why they don't have the record. Like I like in my case, when they didn't have the return, Mr. Attorney told me, Oh, we don't use that anymore. That's only used for this, this, and this. Thank you very much. Now, Mr. Attorney just told me he's not only following, not following the Pennsylvania tax law, he don't understand the Pennsylvania tax law. So now when my lawsuit gets filed and I bring up, hey, did this record request back on this date? Mr. Attorney told me this. You think the county's going to come in and argue this in court? No, they can't because they don't know the tax law. They can't argue the tax law. So that's your third part is request for production. Okay, now they got to give you documents you're asking for. Hey, provide this contract you know, where I gave you authority to put me on your customer role. Sewer authority case. You know, when you bought the house, I automatically became a customer, they told me. Well, I never seen a contract like that. I can't find it anywhere in Pennsylvania law that states when I buy this house, I automatically became a sewer authority customer. Doesn't exist anywhere, okay? So now they can come explain how they did that. Because they can only do what's on paper. They can't make it up out of their hand. So and then the other part that's killer is for discovery, depositions. You could sit them down in a little interview and interview them. And here's the great part about a deposition. When I send record requests, when I send a discovery request in, I have no doubt that the attorney's answering these rec- these these uh, these uh, discovery requests. He's gonna cross all the T's and dot all the I's for that party. I'm 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 sending the uh, the discovery request in for it. But when I sit the head property assessor down, John Van Zelsen, I sit him down and I talk to Mr. John here, Mr. Attorney can't answer for him, okay? Now it's me and John. I already know John can't talk because I, I, I backed John into a corner and two questions. Two basic questions. He was at calling for his attorney. So I know when I get John in the deposition and I get the tax collector in the deposition, and they're going to get ripped to shreds because they don't understand the actual real law. They don't, they, they're button pushers. They don't, they never read the law. They don't know the tax code. They're going to the tax collector. And one guy's the assessment guy for the taxes. They don't know anything about that tax law. They know the, the, the most basic thing they may know. They don't know the actual tax law. And then when you start getting into the actual assessment process, well, well, I'm, I'm confused, John. Don't I have a right to acquire, possess, and protect property? He's got to say yes. You know why he's got to say yes? It's Article One, Section One of the Pennsylvania Constitution. It states, "I have a right to acquire, possess, protect property." Mr. Van Zels, don't I have a right to acquire, possess, protect property to the exclusion of all others? He's got to say yes. Mr. Van Zels, what exactly are you taxing on my property? Well, we're taxing the value of the house. Mr. Van Zels, wouldn't you be taxing my right to own the property? How can you tax the value of something I have a right to own? Well, now he's in a little corner here. He can't get out. Mm-hmm. Because he don't understand the real tax process. Because he's he's been into this too. He's He's been doing this stuff for 20, 30 years. I knew I had him in trouble when I was talking to him. And I said, hey, John. He sa- I said, John. I said, uh, uh, where are these numbers coming from? I said, I said, you know, I, there's no signatures on anything. Th- these assessments. Nobody's signing these assessments. They're supposed to be signed, okay? He said, uh, no, no, the, the, the computer signs them. Uh, there's a, I forget what the name of the system is they use here, but it's a well-known system they use for, for creating these assessments. Uh, and I said, whoa, 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 hold on a second, John. I said, you telling me that a computer's going to get up on the stand and testify? <laughs> I said, computers don't do assessments, John. 
then then this came out of his mouth. Well, this was like this when I got here. Checkmate. This was like this when I got here. You know what that means? Punches pilot. I'm washing my hands. I didn't do this. <laughs> yeah. I'm just doing what they tell me to do here, you know. That's that's what these people are doing. So what so learn the process. Learn the laws. Le- learn how to scare people. Listen, you think they're scared about you when you say, hey, listen, I'm the beneficiary of Beth Martin. And I say this and I said, you think that intimidates them? Or do you think it intimidates them when they just watch the, the attorney get a bar grieved about 10 times? The judge get bargained with about five times. I mean, the, the judge get judicial complaints five times on him. Uh, state criminal complaints filed against both of them. And now you're lining them up for a lawsuit, okay, where now they got to get an attorney. Now, think about this, Beth. If this is a traffic citation, like when I chased this guy, Andrew Goldberg, from media, chased him away, that was a $143 ticket, okay? So now think about the, the mentality of what's going on here. This is why I want people to do this stuff. You do this once. Maybe in a little small stuff, you might have to do it a few times. But if you do a suit once, you bang them, you're going to be free the rest of your life. They're not going to bother you mm-hmm. because they're going to know that guy's going to sue you. So for this little $143 traffic ticket, this is how bad this would have went for them. That bar, that bar attorney that's bringing the matter, the, the prosecutor for the, the municipality, whoever it is, he's probably going to bargain with about three or four or five times just for this one little traffic ticket. His insurance is going to take a hit, okay? He knows he's going to be in the wrong because he looks real bad here. He's got black marks now on his record from the bar grievances. Here's the great thing. When I file that bar grievance, the bar association is going to send me a letter back and tell me I wasted my time. Mr. Fadell, your, your bar grievance is frivolous. Thank you very much. Because I know how his insurance works. I know that when there's any document that's filed against one of these people, they have to let the insurance company know that there's a potential suit looming. The bar grievance will be one of those those things. If somebody's bar grieving you, good chance they're probably going to sue you at some point, okay? Mm-hmm. So I know I banged him around about three or four times with, with that. Now I hit the judge. Listen, all these judges want to move up. They don't want to be this, the little local. They want to move up to this and move up to that, you know. So now he's getting judicial complaints against them. Now his insurance is going up, okay? Now his, uh, he's got black marks on his record because those complaints are going to sit on his record. So when he wants to go to, for that promotion – and they search his record. He's got these judicial complaints on his record now. That's all over a $140 traffic ticket, remember, okay? Now, I'm not done yet. So now I'm going to go with state criminal complaints. Now I'm going to file state criminal complaints against the attorney, against the cop who stopped me, and against the judge. I'm, that's going to go to the local county DA, and I'm going to get that same letter back saying, Mr. Fadjall, there's no probable cause. Where We can't do nothing with this. Thank you very much. Because that's also going to get reported to their insurance company that they had criminal complaints filed against them. And it's also going to put them on notice like, holy cow, this crazy man is filing criminal complaints against us for a traffic ticket. We're not done yet. Now I'm going to assume in federal district court, when I file that lawsuit against them, not only is that a civil suit for money damages, which is going to be substantial money damages, I'm also going to put all the crimes they committed, the state and federal crimes in there, and I'm going to request the impoundment of a grand jury to look at these crimes these people committed. And here's the best part, Beth. Is this just happening to me in Pennsylvania, this traffic stop? Am I the only guy that they're doing this to? Mm-hmm. Doing it to a lot of people, right? It's called racketeering. It's called yeah. Okay, it's racketeering. They're doing this on a wide scale. It's not just me they're doing it to. They're doing it to everybody. So, hey, hey, court, you know what? I need you guys to panel a grand jury because there's a racketeering screen going down, down here that they're taking the average man and woman and they're lighting them up with, with fines for commercial drivers which they shouldn't be doing, okay? I need you guys to look at this. So now when that lawsuit gets filed against them, I sue them in their official capacity, 
which means as a judge, as an attorney, as a police officer, and their individual capacity, which means their home's at risk, their bank accounts are at risk, and their businesses or their jobs are at risk, okay? So now they're getting sued in both official and, and the individual capacity. Now they got to get involved in getting an attorney. How much is that? For a $143 traffic ticket now, this is what they're going through. If I do this to them just once, you think the next time my name comes in on a citation, them judges talk to each other. Your local judges, Fadjola, don't bring this guy in my court. Mm -hmm. I'm not going through this with this guy. Mm -hmm. I know this playbook. Why would I want to mess with this guy when I know he, I, I can't stop him from doing what he's going to do. I can't stop. They can't stop me from filing bar grievances and judicial complaints and state criminal complaints and uh, uh, civil suits in federal court with criminal attachments. They can't stop me from doing that. So now why do they want to go in this battle with me over a $143 ticket? Next thing what's going to happen is the name's going to be there. The cop's probably going to run my name and it's going to say, have a good day, Mr. Fadjol, you know. Take care because the judge is going to say, don't bring that guy in my court. He's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. You need to learn to do this with everything. This is where you get your freedom from. This is what I'm telling people. This is how you get your freedom. If you ring them up on a big thing like the property tax suit stuff, like Steve did, or you get them in a federal district court case and you ring them up, when they come to a settlement with you because they can't come into court, Beth, they're not going to bother you no more. They're not coming mm -hmm. to mess with Beth Martins because Beth Martins knows how to suit her asses. Mm -hmm. She knows how to hold them accountable. She knows mm -hmm. how to ding their insurance. Before we ever get the court case, you're already, it's like knife cuts, basically. It's like throwing knives at them. Here, there's your insurance, your insurance. Oh, now it's a state criminal complaint there. Let's, let's double that. You know, now they're taking hits before they ever get to the actual trial, before they ever get to the actual uh, uh, the, uh, the suit, before they actually file the suit. They've already taken hits. Mm -hmm. Now they got to get attorneys involved. How much does it cost to keep an attorney on retainer? 10, 15 grand maybe, just to start with? Mm-hmm. For, for they're going to do this, think about it now, to risk and jeopardize their career for a $143 ticket. Right, right. Stop wow. doing this, aren't they? Aren't they? Mm -hmm. This is how you get your freedom from these people. You, like you said, you hit it on the head, but they do, they, they break the laws all the time, the rules all the time. And you should smile when they do, because that's what makes it so easy for you to go pinch them. Because, but, but you need to know what these rules and laws are. So as they're happening, right. You can know, oh, he's letting the attorney testify. I objected to that. Per rule 602, attorney can't testify because he's got no personal knowledge of the matter. Yet here he is spitting facts out. I objected to the judge. He overruled me. He put that down there. Now, now he got an appealable issue. Now another judge is going to overturn him. And here's what, what Graves told me, Dr. Graves told me. He said, listen, I, I know you get, he said, Alphonse, I know you get frustrated with these local courts because they're breaking the law. They don't, you think they listen to me down here? You, you, you think I just file stuff down here all the time and it just works? They don't know what's coming from me. I might be filing it for a friend. They're going to railroad my friend. Even though everything I have in there is legal and right, they're going to railroad him because they think this guy's not going to appeal this and he's not going to know what to do about it. So that's how they work. But he said, listen, Alphonse, here's how this works. When you appeal that, it goes to an appellate court or you bring them into federal district court, a higher, you know, a, a more substantial court with real judges, okay, those guys are not going to risk their jobs, them judges, to cover for this idiot local judge here that's doing this illegal crap and breaking the rules, okay? So even though it's one of their bar buddies, that man has a career. Everything's political. That appellate judge has a career that he's worried about. Why would he soil his career or get involved in something that he knows that this guy did wrong? 
He's going to kick it back and tell him remand it. Basically, he's going to listen. You got to go fix this. Okay, that's an appellate court. Same thing with a federal judge. A federal judge is not going to risk their their. Why would they want to mark their record up for what some other idiot did? Would you do that for somebody? Somebody you don't know. You know, would you risk your personal reputation for somebody you don't know because you know you can look at what they did and they're doing things that you know are illegal or were against the rules? You would know. You'd wash your hands and you would do the right thing and say, listen, you're doing the wrong thing here. You've got to fix this. So that's another reason why you always want to make your record. I know it frustrates people. Like I'll file documents down here and they'll ignore them. The, the, the judge will deny my motions. Great. No problem. Because now at a certain point when I appeal that or it goes into federal district court, He's not going to come, come in and explain how, how he denied my motion to dismiss the case for lack of personal jurisdiction when there's no case filed and I was never given service of process. That means a guy came and knocked on my door and said, here, Mr. Fagiola, here's the complaint and summons that you need to answer to suit. That never happened. So if that don't happen, that court doesn't have personal jurisdiction. That court should have never heard the matter. But that judge felt it was his right to deny my motion. So now he can come and explain how he did that. And that doesn't put them in a real good spot, does it? So that's mm -hmm. how you beat these people. You beat them with the actual law and the rules. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can I jump in here with uh, just back to the Patriot mythology and um, the affidavit of status that I've heard you recommend? Is, like, would, is it something you still recommend doing? And and what's no? Okay. No. Here's what I say. It's funny. The more you get into this, and the more you do this, uh, like when I talk to Steve all the time, Steve's a Steve's a sniper. Okay. Steve goes right from point A, point B, bang, lawsuit. I'm not going to mess around with it. You know what he said? I said, well, you know, affidavits are not a lot of matters. And he goes, yeah, I goes, that's good for people that, uh, like, listen, not everyone's got time to, to go get a law education, but they're trying to make a matter go away. So sometimes an affidavit will help for that, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and as far as the affidavit of status, yeah, it has work. Here, here's a crazy case where it worked at. My buddy Teddy White in, in, uh, in Hawaii had, had a mass violation because he was trespassing on a – Public park without the mask. That was, was like $4,000. Okay, Some ridiculous amount of money they had it up to. Wow. He filed an affidavit of status in the matter. I will send you, Beth, I will send you the recording. You think I'm lying to you? I'm going to send you the recording. It's literally, a, 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 I would say, 30 to 60 second hearing uh, at, at most. They dismissed the case. As, he was, did a Zoom hearing too, which I told him, Teddy, don't do. But he did a Zoom hearing. And within 30 or 60 seconds, they just granted his motion to dismiss, blah, 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 and they just threw the case out. Okay. Mm. That was from the affidavit of status. But listen, why do you think that happened? Because in the affidavit of status, we put the uh, laws uh, that they broke, that they violated, and he, we, put, we put the criminal stuff they violated, the state stuff, the federal stuff, and his rights that were violated. And now it's now, it's, a, it's an accepted court document that now they have to deal with. Because now if they're going to say they can do this stuff to them, well, now we're going to move, we're going to take this affidavit. And we're going to turn it into actual legal documents like a motion to dismiss, motion to strike. They know I'm showing them, hey, listen, if you guys want to keep this going on, here's what's coming to you next. And you know you're going to lose on this. So, so just they, to be they got rid of it. Yeah. just to be clear, then, the affidavit of status, was that not to correct your, your straw man? It wasn't? No, 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 no. It was never. You're never. There is no. I keep telling people there's no such thing as having a status to correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're either, you know, you have these rights. <laughs> That's all it is. There's no status to correct. Mm -hmm. oh, when I call an affidavit a status, here's what it means. Remember we just talked about municipalities with inhabitants? What do they do? They assume that I'm one of their members, one of their inhabitants, right? Right. So they're thinking my status, I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying affidavit of status. 
And all I'm saying is, here's my here's who I am, by the way. Here's my rights. I'm not shit. I don't consider that changing my status. There's no status database out there. Like they don't have me in a database as this. You just got some corrupt local politicians that have me on tax rolls that they shouldn't have me on. Same thing with you, okay? They're falsifying their tax rolls. Because when you press them on that stuff, they don't have the necessary documents to support it. They don't have the returns. They don't have the assessments. So they're just some local corrupt politicians. So I called an affidavit of status. I could have called it anything. I called it an affidavit of fact. But I'm not changing my status. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling them who the hell I am. Hey, listen, I'm a U.S. citizen, whether these people like that term or not. I'm a U.S. citizen. And, uh, hey, look, it. <laughs> I got right to trial by jury. I got a right to due process of law. I got a right to acquire, possess, and protect property. And you people are messing with my rights with what you're doing. So unless you can come up with some factual evidence on how you were granted this authority to involve yourself in my property, you're going to have a problem. So that's what I said my affidavit of status is. I'm letting them know who I am already. I'm not changing anything. I'm just dispelling their, their presumptions of who I am. You know, I don't they, like Steve said. I don't care if they call my property Disneyland. I don't care what they call me. I don't care if they call me defendant, plaintiff. I don't care pro se. I don't care what they call me. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Hmm. Here the only and I can't get this through people's heads enough, Beth. They want to get stuck on this patriot stuff and this and that. And I got this process and I'm, I'm making this process up. No, there's two things that matter. If you could write a legal pleading, which is a lawsuit, and you could plead a cause of action, you need to do at least one cause of action. And every cause of action has certain elements. So if I'm going to go for forgery, forgery has certain elements I have to, I have to prove, okay? Might have three elements or four elements. Then I might plead another cause of action. And same thing, depending on that, that one might have five or six elements that have to be proven. So if I could write that paperwork up as causes of action, okay, and I could prove the elements, and I could actually walk, if it goes to court, like if they don't come to an early settlement table and actually goes to trial, and I could litigate what's on that paperwork, I'm the king at that point. Okay. That's all that matters. Doesn't matter what they, they can call me anything. They can call me taxpayer. They can call me anything they want. It matters what's on my paper because they've got to answer to me here and they got to explain how they're taking clearly established rights that I have right to trial by jury, right to acquire, possess, protect property, right to be free. How I have these clear established rights and how they are doing what they're doing with their statutes. They now got to come in and explain how that statute that they moved against me somehow superseded that federal constitution. Because all these municipal corporations were created under the state constitution. Okay? Under your local, I don't know what yours is, your local constitution. But here, all these corporations were created under our state constitution. So they create charters. Charters are now bylaws. Mm -hmm. They're bylaws. Okay? They're, they're, they're laws. Okay? Mm -hmm. That state constitution and their charter can never supersede that federal constitution. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to claim, like I say, they're trying to tell you that they're baking an apple pie without apples. They now want to tell you, I know I got these state constitutional secured rights. They're not going to tell me that they're going to take these statutes that are down here under me, these ordinances, and they're now somehow going to supersede my state constitutional rights. They're telling me they're baking an apple pie without apples. And if I know how to call them on the BS, it's going to fall apart for them. You know, it doesn't matter what they call me, what I say, what I do. Bottom line is, like, like, Steve's got a great analogy. Hey, listen, a guy could volunteer to have a baby all he wants. He ain't having no baby, okay? Guy ain't going to have no baby. So they could say you're a taxpayer. You could volunteer to be a taxpayer all you want. You're no taxpayer. You know why? Because you don't do in law 
what taxpayers are required to do. We were talking about earlier returns. Beth, I don't file returns with the county for my property, but that's what it called return by taxpayer. That's what a taxpayer does. Okay. And it states if I don't file that return, that I will be fined $500 or could face up to six months in jail. Well, Beth, I've never been fined $500 for not filing that return, and I've never spent six months in jail. So evidently, the elements of what a taxpayer are, they're, they're nothing related to what I've been doing, right, or to what I do. So I can't volunteer to be that taxpayer off the bat. Beth, if I sent them a return in on my house, the county, they would go, what the hell is this? Because guess who files returns with them each year? Businesses. Okay, businesses that are registered with the state, they have they have what they call as a CITES. It's a it's a it's a nexus with the state. They're using that property to conduct that business. So when I register that business, same same selling computers out of my home. Okay, they're going to charge me a tax on the, the privilege of selling the computers, but because I'm using my house to sell them, they're going to charge me a property tax. There's your property tax right there. So if I sent them a a, a return, the county they. they just guy sent an issue for it. We don't know what to do with this. I couldn't volunteer to be a taxpayer if I wanted to be because I don't I don't have the requirements of what a taxpayer does, and I don't the elements don't apply to me. I don't file returns on my home. This is how you beat these people. It's not about straw man, it's not about trust, it's about basic stuff. Uh, you know, like my buddy citation I told you about parking on his lawn. When that second judicial point goes in against that judge, that citation's going poof going away okay guess what they're never going to bother my buddy carmen again for any citations he's never going to get another citation in upland okay and he may not never get another traffic ticket because mm -hmm. that's a citation too because mm -hmm. they know oh my god this guy you know the, the, the judge is going to say don't bring that guy santucci in my court i don't want to see that guy he filed judicial complaints against stone against uh, goldberg he go file one against me they're your servants they're your public servants They've taken the system, dumbed us down to believe that they're your, now your masters. They treat you like their servants. And they're doing that because we've been dumbed down. We don't have the legal knowledge. And I don't need every, everybody to be a lawyer. I don't, I'm not saying I don't mean, listen, you need to know the basics of how law works. Mm -hmm. I don't need you to become like uh, you know, Clarence Darrow and go you know, read a, a ton of stuff. Most law is pretty basic, Beth. Listen, how many times you heard people getting a citation for uh, trespassing because of the mask? How many, how many yeah. citations? Okay. Yeah. Hundreds. Trespass? hundreds. Mm -hmm. Now here's what's going on. When, when you get that citation in the mail, usually it's coming from the County or it's the state Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, County of Delaware. They're bringing a suit against you for trespass. Gee, you know, I went and read the American jurisprudence, which Steve told me to read. And I looked up trespass and look what, let's go look at what trespass is. Only the owner or the person leasing that property can maintain a trespass. Oh, there you go. Does the county own the property? No. Does does the does the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania own Target or, or Walmart? No. So right off the bat, they can't maintain the trespass action. Then it further goes on to state that a statute can't criminalize trespass. In other words, they can't say just because you walked in there and that person told you to leave that that's a that that's a crime. Uh, a statute can't criminalize a trespass because you need to have gone into that business with willful criminal intent to cause a crime. So if you walked in there and picked the baseball bat up and start destroying stuff, that's criminal intent, okay? Mm -hmm. You walked in there and punched somebody, that's criminal intent, okay? You walked in there to shop for some food, no criminal intent there, is there? So now you just handicap two major elements out of their trespass citation.
And there's people still fighting this stuff. This is how you knock it out. Good. So I'm in the store the other night, and uh, for the most part, I, I just tell people I'm exempt, and I walk away. As I, I'm not even talking to you, and and they leave me alone. There's a lot of lot of uh, good successes there. So I, I go into another store, but we got the yellow vests around, and they're the mall cops <laughs> that our premier hired. You know, uh, hundreds of yeah. them imported from another country. They don't even know, they don't even know what's going on here. I'm sorry to say. So uh, I, I haven't seen them ever, but there they are. And they're chasing me around the store. Every, I, I can see them in the, my peripheral. I just keep <laughs> turning and avoiding them. And uh, so they come up to me and uh, they're like, you know, you have to wear a mask. And I said, under whose authority are you, are you telling me I have to wear a mask? So I just kept asking questions every time they would tell me something. And then, and then he stammers a bit and he's like, I need your ID. And I'm like, under whose authority are you asking for my ID? And uh, I got tired of that game at that point, and I looked at the cilantro. It was it was not fresh, and I'm like, I'm out of here. I just I don't want to I don't want to spend an hour having a fight with these guys. But, you know, so in my opinion, they needed my idea ID to make joinder with me so they could contract. Is that still true, or is that patriot there's mythology no, no, too? There's, there's, no, there's no contracts going on. Listen, you got to understand the elements of a contract. It's nothing to do with a contract. No, no, they're just assuming that they have this authority jurisdiction over you. It's mm -hmm. just an assumption of jurisdiction until you challenge it properly. And you just reminded me some with that story. You asked me about the affidavit of status. Guess what? I still have an affidavit of status. I don't use it anymore. I don't mail it out to anybody anymore. You know where my affidavit of status is? Mm. It's in my vehicle. You know, guess what that is? That's going to be my ID. When they stop me, that's my ID. I've got many people who've used them already. Guess what? They don't write them up for failure to, to provide ID. Now, they could say, well, there's no picture on there. There's no Guess what? That's a state-certified officer that wrote off. They're the notary. That's a state-certified officer. So... When he says, he can't say failure, to, like when he stops me, I would say, listen, officer, I'm not traveling under the license. And he could push me for ID. Listen, officer, I can't turn over any document. I'm not, I'm not traveling under. I said, that would be commission of a crime. That would be execution of documents by deception on my part. It would be deceptive or fraudulent business practices. It would be perjury. I'd be giving you something I'm not using. I, I can't do that, but I'll be happy to provide you identification. And I'll give my, my two-page affidavit of status. I'll give mm -hmm. it. Now he's got my affidavit of status. So now he can see my name on there, my address, my phone number, stating where I am, and my, I have these rights, blah, blah, blah. And he sees a state certified officer notarizing it. He can't tell me that's not an ID, that I didn't identify myself. Because I gave ID to the notary when I got that document done. That notary gave a stamp on there saying, yup, this is Fadjola. This is who this guy is. So that's the only way I use my affidavit of status right now. Hmm. Uh, wow. Other people are still using it. I mean, that's good. I tell mm -hmm. people, that's great. Use that. Use that until you get to the point where you're comfortable filing uh, bar grievances, state criminal complaints, uh, and lawsuits. Once mm -hmm. you move to that point, then you don't need the affidavit crap. Then Got you it. just throw it out. You don't need it. Like I said, affidavits are phenomenal for people that don't want to go into court. They want to try and just resolve the situation. They don't want to study law for the next year of their life, and they're hoping to make the situation go away. And we have, we've made a lot of employers drop vaccination mandates and all kinds of different things using affidavits, even though they didn't have it, they didn't have, they weren't required to respond to them. It still scared them enough to back them off because right. here's what generally happens. A lot of times when they see you send a notarized affidavit in and you're hitting law stuff, they don't know whether you got that off the internet or if there's somebody behind you that's helping you out with this stuff, you know, somebody with some kind of law education or a lawyer or something and they might think that you're getting lined up for a lawsuit. So when they see something like that, a lot of times they they step back and say, "Oh, wait a minute, did you read what's what you know what Beth gave us? You know, she she's got the what do we do about this?" And then the attorneys look at it and go, "Well, we could have a problem here if you know if they sue you, we could have a problem with this." And, 
well, I didn't know that. So, so let's drop the vaccine mandate. We see that a lot, you know. So that's what, what affidavits are good for. But like I said, no one has any obligation to respond to an affidavit if it's out of court. But if I take my affidavit in a court hearing, court matter, and I'm trying to knock a case out and I call it a motion to dismiss, I could turn my motion into an affidavit by putting what they call a jurat in there, which is basically just a statement saying that under penalty of perjury, I have personal knowledge of everything I've put in this document. Now I'm willing to go to jail for it. So now I can take my little motion there and get it notarized as an affidavit, and I could submit it into the court as a motion. But courts only move on motions. You got to move courts, okay? Courts move on motions, precipices, petitions. Courts have to move. Courts don't have to move on affidavits alone. If it's just an affidavit, it's like me, I guess I send an affidavit in there and say, hey, listen, I wear green sneakers. Here's my affidavit. I'll bring those green sneakers. By the way, we don't have to do nothing with it. But if I file a motion, that that and like and and basically what the language of a motion is, uh, I Alfonso Nicholas Fagiola move this court to enter an order to dismiss this case for the following reasons. Boom! Now somebody's got to do something with that. The other side first of all has to answer it. They got usually twenty days to answer it. Then when he answers answers it, I get a chance to rebut his answer. Okay, and then once I'm done rebutting his answer, now I got to set a motion hearing. We got to go before a judge. And I got to argue my affidavit, my, my motion. That's in the form of an affidavit. So now I, I can argue my stuff. Now I got a petty father, shyster attorney on the other side. Does he have any personal knowledge of anything, this guy over here? No. So he, as soon as he opens his mouth, objection, judge. <laughs> I'm, here, I'm here to argue my motion here. I'm stating facts under penalty of perjury. This guy's got no personal knowledge of anything per rule 602. He can't speak in this matter. Does he have any witnesses to testify for him to support what he's saying? Now I'm going to start taking them apart with the motion because he can't he can't state facts that he has no personal knowledge of. He can't he has no idea what happened with my sewer bill. He don't no clue. So this is how you take them apart. This is how you beat them. You beat them with the law. You beat them with the process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I did ju- I just hear of uh, you know a lot of people t- taking different approaches and appealing to different parts of the law and the charter and the uh, you know the um, international covenant covenant of civil and po- political rights. What's your take on that? By the way, the covenant. I see. I I, I think you got enough, and I don't know the Canadian law. I'd have to go through it, but I know here in, in the U.S. I don't need to mess with any of that stuff. I, I, mm-hmm. It's right there for me. I, I, mm-hmm. I can bang them out. Doesn't, I don't need to go near international law. I could care less about international law. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go in on the basics. Everything comes down to a claim. Somebody's making a claim that they have authority over you to make you do something. Mm-hmm. And, and your job is to whittle it down to find out who exactly is making the claim. Mm-hmm. Because you don't let them talk to you and, well, well, they said this. You know, they 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 always try and talk about this like it's some mysterious unknown entity in the background that's making these orders. Well, the state said this. The state says that. Well, who was that, Mr. And Mrs. State? <laughs> who from the state said that? For you sure. Know? I always have that in my head now. <laughs> sure, you want to whittle that down to them, basically. But when you start like you like you did with that uh, that uh, the mall cop that you ran mm-hmm. into, basically. Well, uh, under under what authority you have to show you ID? Because he's just going to tell you, uh, show me your ID. And you knew what questions to ask to say, well, wait a minute. Why are you getting authority to tell me to show you anything? Because last I checked, in law, we're equal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And they're actually breaking they're breaking the orders because the orders explicitly say exemptions are, are allowed, right? Or allowed, whatever that is. Um, so when they do that, Beth, when yeah. they break the exemptions, go mm-hmm. file administrative complaints against them. Go, go see that store? 
go file a complaint with the store. With the store? Yeah, with the store. Yeah, I don't know how they get around that because the mall cops, they roam. They're not affiliated with any store. They just enter without Who any... Work for? Who do you work for? Government of uh, Manitoba. But they got to be a company. What's the company that, they, that, that's, that they're working for? You know they're doing the government stuff. of Manitoba. They've been hired by and and oh yeah, their original company got it. Yeah, I don't know who that company is. They're they're you know, they're international. They're international yeah. mall cops. That the, the premier. They work uh, for supported. somebody. Yeah, go do a record request. Go do a record request with okay. your government and ask. Okay. Hey, who do these people? These these mall cops, whatever you want to call them, work. Who? What's the company that they work for? That's what you want to know. Then you start going into the company. And you start asking them, hey, where's mm -hmm. your authority? I had an interaction with one of your mall cops, basically. And this guy's actually trying to impose laws upon me and asking me for my ID. I need to see under what authority did you get that authority to ask me to do anything? Provide these records to me. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. quickly you'll find out that they have no such authority. And they'll find out if you're this pain in the ass that's doing this, they'll back off you real quick. Okay. Great idea. So you file, you, you file administrative complaints against them. They're not going to do anything with them, but that's going to affect their insurance rate. They all got insurance. You file that with them and go file a state criminal complaint. Your local, I don't know what your state thing is. Go file a criminal complaint against that mall cop that did that. Because mm -hmm. that guy violated your rights. Like you said, mm -hmm. I, I got a right to an exemption. This guy violated my rights. This guy's over there trying to impose laws upon me and tell me I got to show him ID. I don't know who the hell this guy is. I have no legal obligations to perform for this guy. So and, go with file whom, state complaint. Mm -hmm. and with whom do you file it? The, the administrative complaint. The administrative complaint, you want to find out who that company is, go file a complaint with the company. With the company. An, an internal one, okay? Like I said, they're yeah. all going to be thrown in the trash. You don't care about that. It's still mm -hmm. going to, anything that's filed there, they got to notify the insurance company. That's all you mm -hmm. care about. Mm -hmm. Then your local government, whoever your local government is, I don't know, like we have here, I, I, I could file like a, I would file, that's our state, I would go file a state criminal complaint against somebody. Provincial, like, yeah, yeah. Provincial, provincial Manitoba. province. Mm -hmm. Go file a provincial criminal complaint against that idiot with the yellow jacket on that thinks he can impose laws upon you. He's a friggin' mall cop. That's all he mm -hmm. is. He's a mall mm -hmm. cop. Go file a criminal complaint against him. Because guess what? Now somebody's got to answer to what happened here. Somebody's got to give an answer to you got guys running around uh, imposing laws upon people. You better knock it off. We're going to get sued. Okay? Do that. And That's awesome. Yeah, well, you'll start to mm -hmm. see people will back off you. They'll go, oh, wait a minute. This crazy woman is filing criminal complaints against people. Your name will get the, it will start to filter around the area. They will start to know who you are. That don't mess with her. Uh, she she will file stuff against you. Mm -hmm. My cousin in New Zealand, he, he beat up, he, he he does, he used to do the big fireworks show for New Zealand and all in that. And he had a run in with, with a local guy and a, uh, my cousin banged the hell out of him. Okay. He's sort of like me. Like he digs into the stuff and reads it and, you know, he banged him around. So he got so well known for filing complaints against him. He's seen a police report in another matter. He actually got a copy of it. Know what it said? Be careful. <laughs> Mr. Falco is very prone to filing complaints and going to the media. So that was actually in his record that they knew if you're going to mess with this guy, expect to get complaints filed against you. And expect him to go to the media about you. A little more hands off, okay? Oh, Mr. Falcone's a problem. So we'll back off here a little bit. And you could do the same thing. You know, that's all this that's all this stuff is. It's actually using the laws that are there. And I would tell you, you guys really should get together with her. Take the jurisdictionary course, learn it, relate it back to your the Canadian law, and go use it. And go mm -hmm. watch what's you know what scares them the most, Beth? What scared them mm -hmm. with me? 
I didn't go in there when I fought the sewer thorn. I didn't go in there with crazy Patriot stuff. I'm free man. I'm laying. I'm the beneficiary. Write that off on my account. I went in there and did stuff that an attorney would do. Okay. And that rattled them mm-hmm. because they're thinking, oh, no. He's going to be hard to railroad because we could railroad him. He's doing this crazy Patriot stuff. We just dismiss it. Guy's nuts. We know no idea what he's talking about. But when he's filing motions and he's filing criminal complaints, we got to acknowledge what's going on here. We can't ignore this guy. Mm-hmm. That's what scares them. Not the crazy stuff. It's the actual stuff that can hold them accountable. And the only way you're going to do that is learn the law and execute it. Listen, there's I can't tell you the joy that I find in knocking an attorney on their rear end. Okay. <laughs> I, listen, that's somebody with a two or $300,000 education. They, they like the guy I told you 40 years. He's probably practiced. Okay. He's got all these prestigious titles. He's got, you know, he's the, he's the solicitor of sewer authority and he's the building solicitor of the borough of Ridley park to get him fired and knock him on his ass. I, it's such a pleasure. Okay. <laughs> or to like when I helped a, a woman that she had, a, she had three attorneys coming after uh, for a credit card debt. And listen, I don't like wiping credit card debts for people because I think you, you take the debt, you you owe it, okay? But they did some really egregious stuff to this woman and got my ire up a little bit. I said, I'm going to clean these people up. So I took the three attorneys and we knocked them on the rear end. And uh, uh, the motion, she'd have to open her mouth up. The, the motion we filed into the court knocked them on the rear end because they're, they're so arrogant that they had, when they bought the debt, they, these attorneys bought this credit card debt, they're so arrogant, they had their records coordinator file an affidavit into the matter, an affidavit stating that the debt was validated and true. Does that records coordinator have any idea of what went on with that credit card? Any charges at all that she have verified? No. Okay. Yet she she thought it arrogant of her to just go create an affidavit saying, yep, I know it's true. So I got her in perjury, basically, in the, in the motion. <laughs> hey, she, she committed perjury. She got no personal knowledge of this, yet she created, committed this Created this affidavit, stated she does. And oh, by the way, I'm going to need to see the contract between uh, Miss So and So and this law firm here. I don't see no contract because guess them arrogant be- son of a B- C- o- SOBs, those arrogant SOBs, they sued her for breach of contract, the attorneys. Well, knowing law at that point that I knew, well, you need to have the contract. <laughs> okay. So I asked for the physical contract. They don't have no physical contract. So the affidavit and not having a contract, that's what when that motion hit him and the, the judge said to him, well, Mr. Attorney, what about this? And he gave him the motion and he looked at it. And he said, oh, we haven't seen this before. Bull. OK, because we sent him a certified mailing of it. We know they got it. And he said, uh, sir, we're going to non-suit, which means we're going to let this go. We're going we're to forget everything, sir. We're going we to forget we came in here today. And a $7,000 credit card bill went poof. Just by knowing basic law that, geez, they're suing her for a breach of contract. You need to have a contract. And, oh, by the way, I'm looking at the affidavit you guys submitted and your, your record coordinator just committed perjury. So now we, we, we can take this further if you like. You can let the credit card debt go or we can talk about your, your record coordinator committing perjury because now we're going to come after you. And it, it might not be her $7,000 debt. It might be her you, you paying her a couple hundred thousand dollars by the time we're settled with this matter. So it's knowing the law and, and using it and how to use it. Like I said, mm-hmm. stay away from the Patriots. Don't go with the law. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Um, so many questions right now, and I know there's been hundreds in the chat already, yeah, and, far away. and I'm losing my light, but uh, I, might, I might close my Me camera too. and turn my light on. Yeah, I know exactly. We, the sun sets at four, four o'clock. Not far away, I'm good. Okay, okay, sounds good. So I'm curious, do you have a driver's license? I do until March. Until March, and then you're done? Yeah. That's it. I'm not renewing it, yeah. My, yeah, my sticker's been up since March, since, since the March of this year, it's been up. Mm -hmm. And if you look, I got actually uh, my, my buddy in Texas, Brett Fountain, who uh, Randy Kelton sidekick, he made a sticker up says private auto on there. OK, it's a private auto sticker. So he just sent me a couple stickers. So that's now on my auto and on the back of my license plate. And I'm going to leave the plate on there no matter what. OK, the plate stays on there like Steve leaves his plate on there for one reason. We don't want to attract attention to ourselves. I don't want to invite the guy. <laughs> Fine. If he bothers me, I'll deal with it in paperwork. But I'm not going to just say, hey, come, come bag me over the head. So, but I got a license plate holder. It says private property, not for, uh, not for, uh, not for hire on there. So th there's no way they can look at that and say that I was engaged in transportation or commercial code in any way. And I'm still here. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to turn some lights on because it no uh, gets creepy. <laughs> it doesn't matter for you. Uh, yeah, so, so, so as of March, I won't renew it, and I'll just go. I'll be driving without a. Uh, I guess what they say, I'll be riding dirty, as they claim. You know what they say? <laughs> riding dirty. Yeah. And uh, insurance and registration. Listen, insurance. I don't care. What people say I, I want insurance. Okay. Not, right. I, I don't have a problem with insurance. Like, yeah. Listen, I look it this way. I got a lot to lose. God forbid. And somebody said, one guy said to me today, he said, "I said, well, do you have insurance? You know, he doesn't have any license plates or anything to register. He said, do you have insurance?" He said, well, no, nah. I said, but, I, but I, I haven't had an accident for 30 years. I said, that's missing the point. So I go take that one time you have an accident and you get sued for that one time. Maybe you pay you know, for a second, split second, you do something wrong and you have an accident. You could lose everything you have. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm going to have insurance whether I have a license or not. I'm going to mm -hmm. have insurance just mm -hmm. because I got too many assets to, to risk. If I didn't have anything, no. But no, I get too much to risk, so I'm going to have insurance. That doesn't bother. Auto insurance doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mm -hmm. bother me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. And uh, have you ever had a debate with one of the characters? I don't want to say characters. That's putting them down. But there's, you know, so many people in in the patriot mythology world, like a lot. And I, I've had them all in my channels and stuff. Have you ever had a head-to-head -head debate about it? I haven't had any debates. I've, I, there's somebody pretty well known I'm talking to right now. I'm trying to help with a matter. Mm -hmm. that, that's sort of in that little ilk. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he's being told to do certain things. And, uh, uh, when I speak to him and I explain why you don't do that, he says, that makes sense. Okay. okay interesting. Sense. Would so, you come on sometime and, and have that debate? I have no problem with that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That'd be amazing. No yeah. I got a few people no in mind. Problem. So good. Sure, so I good. No problem. Uh, what about your signature? Do you qualify it in any way? No, nah, you know what? Listen, I, the fingerprint thing I, I have put on there for different reasons. Like I, I'm going to do a, I have to do like, a, I'm going to do a, what I call a private will. And I'm my, my cousin in New Zealand is going to be my, my beneficiary. So it, not practical to have him come over to sign the thing, but I'll, I'll have everything notarized at a notary. I'll draw, I'll draw it up and I'll sign it and I'll actually put my thumbprints on there. So that there's no doubt that that is me, that, that somebody didn't forge my signature. Somebody can say, Oh, it doesn't look like Alfonso's signature. I think they forged this and Mr. Falcone. So there's going to be no doubt that that's me. That's the only reason I would do that. And it's funny because uh, his father, uh, the, my cousin was talking about, my, his father was involved in a, a, a timeshare. You know what timeshares are, the condos and stuff, For sure. multiple owners. And he wanted to get out of it. And he, and he signed up with a service to get him out of that, the, the timeshare. And they sent him paperwork, affidavits that, that they wanted him to file. And they told him, go get these notarized. 
And he went to the bank to get it notarized because the, the bank's here as a notary. And the bank notary told him, I want you to put your th fingerprint on here too, your thumbprint, which I thought was really interesting because he wanted to verify that there was no doubt that that was him that signed that, that document. And hey, they take your fingerprints when they arrest you, don't they? So they must, they think they're, they're proof of who you are, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the only reason that you'll see my fingerprint on something. My signature, mm -hmm. you don't have to qualify. Listen, you don't have to qualify your signature. I see people put all rights reserved, UCC 1-308 and all that stuff. Listen, I don't know about over there. Over here, we have inalienable rights, okay? They're inherent inalienable rights. Why would I have to reserve something that it can never be taken away from me? That, that just makes no sense to me. Why would I reserve something that's mine? They, they can't take it away. Like Steve said, they can't take your rights away from you. They can only BS you around to not, not exert your rights, which mm -hmm. is what they're really doing, okay? So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, you don't have to qualify your signature. I don't know about Canada, but I don't qualify my signature. If you have rights in Canada, and I want you to look at this Constitution thing. I, I'm really interested about this because I'm going to tell you what. You, nobody's going to send you a, a court ruling that stated that that Constitution has never been ratified, so it's not in play. If that Constitution is being cited in different things, it's active. Because they could do that crap here with us, too. What, what During the, the, the Civil War, there was the South walked out, okay? And, and uh, Lincoln and them guys did things that they were supposed to have a quorum, a majority for that they didn't do. Well, that could be argued, too, but no need to do that. No one's ever going to say that, okay? And you're not going to find anyone that's going to – whoever told you that – no one's going to come forward with a actual court case that states, well, the Constitution in Canada was never ratified, so you really have no rights. Mm -hmm. good, mm -hmm. good luck with that, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's based on reading and interpretation and uh, sure. just following up on the legalese BS that's in there. Um, so a quick little story that I, I've shared with sure. my audience, but uh, I'm driving along behind a, um, a truck, and it's going too slow, and I decide to pass the truck. And the next thing you know, I realize the the truck is a cop that I'm passing. And I'm like, oh, this might not go well. So of course, the, <laughs> <laughs> so the lights go on and he pulls me over. And um, so- How dare you pass him? How dare you pass me? Right, right. First thing he asks me is, are you okay? And I said, uh, yes, officer, why do you ask? And he said, you just uh, blew a stop sign. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just passed a cop blowing a stop sign. <laughs> it's like a total boner move, right? I was not in my right mind. So he says, I, I, I need to see your license and registration. I look at my purse. I, my brain is going, tick, 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 all this kind of stuff in my head that, uh, you know, I've been learning, whatever that is. And and I, I say to myself, Beth, don't pull anything. You're not in good shape here. Just take the ticket and, and be done with it. Right. So I, I get my license and registration and I go to put it in his hand. But instead, my hand swings to the dash and I put it on the dash of my car instead. Just something God took over my arm in that moment. So he doesn't touch it. He goes around, he looks through the windshield, he looks at it. It is signed without prejudice, whether that's, you know, abuse or not. He comes around the corner again. He says, you're free to go. Have a nice day. Right. Yeah, so listen, yeah. Now, listen, <laughs> you might run into, hey, listen, I, I might get stopped by 10 different cops and get 10 different results every time. OK, right. Maybe maybe the cop that I got today, maybe he had a fight with his wife. He hasn't been with his wife for two months and he's in a real bad mood. And not not nice. Say who's going to do anything? He's going to come after me. You know, I might get the guy who just has found out his wife's pregnant. And he's you know he's happy as hell and he's in a good mood. You know, uh, so it's hard to look at one incident and say, well, that's why that happened. And determine right? exactly. If, like you know. your buddy, you said for five years was good. You know, it was all good until this one time he got that one cop 
that decided, oh, I'm going to do this instead. Okay. Yeah. And that's where it sort of comes apart for a lot of people is now when that happens to you, now what do you do? Now when the Patriot stuff blows up on you, now what do you do? Mm-hmm. Got to go back to the legal stuff and be able to move the case. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's so much wisdom. I love that. Uh, so you've talked about some successes already specifically in this arena that we're in, you know, with not just masks now, but but uh, I, I just heard there's nine doctors in Manitoba who are petitioning the government to uh, come much come down much harder on the unvexed, I call us. And uh, and then to make children, all the children that go to school are going to have to be vexed. And, and this kind of stuff. So, you know, do you have any examples of the ways this has already worked, your your approach? In, in Canada, I mean, I, I, as far as Canada, I over here, I know there's a guy that, uh, he actually did a Crow interview, but he's one of the guys that he heard, heard me on Crow, and he heard me talking about liability insurance for attorneys. Remember, and I said, hey, listen, if you're a public official, you either have blanket insurance where the county insures you, and if you're a prestigious, you have a prestigious role like a judge or an attorney or a the, uh, that the assessor or somebody's the tax collector, you might have your own separate indemnity bond, a separate insurance policy protection bond. Okay, so he dug into uh, the insurance bonds for the uh, school board and found and found out who had to have a bond and what the bond amounts were. And I think there were three uh, three different. I think the uh, superintendent have a, had to have a bond, and a couple a couple others had to have a bond, but the the amounts were real low. They were twenty thousand dollars. So he went there with. A list basically hey you guys are breaking this law breaking that law <laughs> breaking these rights and oh by the way i'm looking at your bonds here <laughs> you're only insured for 20 grand i got i got four four or five uh, uh mothers he had with him he said you know he goes, i'm going to share my stuff with all these mothers here and they're going to sue you and maybe they see you for a hundred thousand dollars each okay because now you got twenty thousand dollar bond now you got five people suing you for 500 grand and they took a unanimous vote in a little while after that, and they dropped all their mass mandates, all the all the all the mass all, all the corona stuff got all dropped at that point because somebody showed them their potential personal liability. Now over here, what you're talking about with a kid, what a child, kid child doesn't matter. Uh, you're the guardian of it. That that's your that's your property. child, your, your your property, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, over here, you could probably do the same thing in Canada. A real simple way would be to file an injunction against the school. An injunction has five elements, and you gotta you've got to go and understand what the five elements are. But they're very easy to plead. The five elements you've got to show that basically that uh, that there's no danger, there's no evidence that that your kid not having a mask or not being vaccinated is a danger to anybody. That that's on them. You know they 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 got to prove that crap. There's no evidence of that. So you would go for an injunction, basically telling it would be a temporary injunction. You would call it, but it would be the court. It'd be a court proceeding. Someone from the school district that you sued would have to come in and answer and explain how they're doing, what they're doing, because there is no law in the books over here that you got to be vaccinated or wear a mask to go into places or work anywhere. Okay, this is all ridiculous nonsense that that will never stand because there's no black written, no black letter written law anywhere that they can come out and say, "Oh no, look, here's the law." Even if it's a health order, that that's not a law. No, no. Listen, over here. I don't know about how Canada works, but over here, only the legislature can make laws. Mm-hmm. That, that means same the, here. Okay, the federal legislature here can make laws, and even though they make that law, still might not be applicable to me. Mm-hmm. Depends on what it's about, that law, okay? Mm-hmm. Same thing here. The state, our local, it's our state legislature, only they can make laws. They cannot delegate their lawmaking authority to agencies. 
other words, they they only they have those those lawmaking powers. They can't delegate it to other parties. They can't say, "Here, Mr. Municipality, you now have lawmaking authority." We're here, OSHA. We're here, CDC. Here, you now have lawmaking authority. Doesn't work like, like that, okay? So mandates are not laws. Uh, ordinances are not laws because unless they came from the legislature, it's not a law, okay? But they're going to yeah. try and enforce it like it's a law, and they're going to hope that you don't know any better, that, that you're, you know, you're either going to not know that it's not a law or you're not going to know what to do about it even if they do it anyway, and that's what they bank on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the last 21 months, they've made law on news conferences and given right. us 48 hours notice, to, right? Like it's such a such a bunch of BS. Now, you know what, though? If we're real funny mm-hmm. on that, Australia, my, my, I got a cousin who lives in New Zealand, and New Zealand's like maybe a tiny, tiny bit better than Australia right now. Not much, mm-hmm. but that's like a prison over there. I mean, you, you, my cousin's limited to where he can go. He can go to like to the store, to the doctor, to, to the, uh, he's got two goats that he takes care of. He can go there and take care of them. But they got him sort of like sectioned off. And they, he's been a volunteer firefighter over there for 20 years. Volunteer. Mm-hmm. No pay. Volunteer for the good of his community. To help his community does it, okay? And he does some pretty horrific stuff. He goes, when there's bad accidents, he goes out there and gets the bodies. He's got to take the body, you know, the, the, the stuff that you really don't want to do, okay? He's involved in all that, okay? For free, he does that. That's a, that's a hard way to, to really give back to your community. But I couldn't do it. But they sent him a letter saying that, uh, same thing about the vaccine stuff. Anybody not vaccinated by the 25th of November, you can no longer, you're no longer an employee here. Even though they're volunteers, they consider them employees. You're no longer an employee here. So he's all pissed off. And like I said, he's the one who went for the fireworks thing. And, it, it, you know, it's, this is in our blood, maybe our family blood. So he writes it up. I take it and I organize it for him. And I turn it into a sort of a, a formal record request. And we asked for because when he went and stated, he said, well, how does this apply to the fire brigade, this health order? How's this health order provide to – well, go read – you know what they told him? Go read the order. Go read the health order. Well, he did. Okay, He, he called them on the bluff. He went and read it. And nowhere in there could we find anything. So one of our record requests – we did like six record requests – was Mr. Falcone being a man of average intelligence, what, you know, uh, uh, basically uh, read the health order act – and was unable to find any legally or lawfully promulgated documents that state that this health order has anything to do with FENS, which is their their uh, their fire brigade. There's no connection. So now in this record request, please provide us the section of the health order that you relied upon to make the decision that the health order did apply to FENS, the, the fire department. Uh, then we did another one also in there, what was, please provide all your group insurance information. And please provide any separate bonds that who, who's bonded and what their separate bond information is. So there were six requests, and they're obligated well, to give you that information over there. They're, they're obligated to, yeah. So so first they asked for an extension. They wanted an extension, so mm-hmm. it's due for like I think he said right before Christmas. It's due, but he's still going to fire brigade. And where are we at? What, what date is it? <laughs> he's still going. He's still there. Nobody told him to leave. Now Fantastic. nobody's saying anything to them. Fantastic. Because we're just basically calling them on their BS. Hey, you mm-hmm. said this. I read it. Please show it to me now because I'm of average intelligence. I read this. I couldn't see anywhere in there. So please give me your, your wisdom and show me where he looked at this and you said it applies to here because it's not there. They're making it up. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're into uh, that's malicious behavior. That's a, uh, what do you call it? Malfeasance. That's that's you're just you, there's no lawful authority you're moving under. You Now you're doing things to harm people. 
Right. You know, and and now there's now comes the per, even over there, it's hard to get them for it, but now it comes to personal liability for them. It scares mm-hmm. them. They mm-hmm. back off it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you see this whole agenda? Like as long as we're on the topic of psyops and uh, taking people sideways, so do you think there is a a, a depopulation agenda going on? It, it seems like an almost too obvious question, but do you think that's what we're dealing with here? Oh, well, that I don't doubt. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That I don't doubt. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looks like a calling of the masses and what easy way to do it than to, to lower people's immune system to the point where, geez, maybe the average flu will come around next year and wipe out a large swath of the population because they've, they've deprived, they, they've depleted their immune systems. You know, I, I look at yeah. it this way. Listen, you got, you got this immune system, you know, and I don't care where you think you came from, how you got here. You, just you look at the human body; it's an incredible piece of work. When you really look at how how, how it operates, okay? amazing. I mean, you cut yourself a basic cut, and what happens? It, it heals itself. It, boom! It heals itself. So you got this incredible immune system that the Creator gave to you, and you think taking a dollar ninety nine mask <laughs> and sticking it over your face is going to now improve upon that incredible immune system He gave you, okay? Mm-hmm. And I just sit there and I go, wow, okay. To me, it's sort of like, especially with the uh, vaccine stuff, people taking these vaccines. Well, that's like having a Ferrari and filling the gas tank up with sugar. You know what I mean? You, you've got this incredible piece of work. And now, now you're going to go take some crap that you don't know what's in it. I don't think there's even a, a list of ingredients with the, uh, like, if you go to, like, a pharmacy to get this the shot that they want to give you the shot at, I don't think they have the paper with it. Do they? They give you the ingredients. They they come in like mass things, like you know, with, with no no documentation. Mm-hmm. What the hell's in there? Mm-hmm. What what exactly is in there that you're going to shoot in my body? You know, and my yeah, cousin for- that I just talked about in New Zealand, he already knows people, definitively knows young people that have had heart problems and blood clots, mm-hmm. never had problems before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Before I forget, I just wanted to um, uh, pay tribute to my elderly friend of 92 years who I, uh, a couple of years ago, met in the garden. And uh, I asked her one day as this stuff was coming down and she's like, yeah, it's so strange out there. I said, I said, Grandma Annie, it's a communist takeover. And she's <laughs> like, oh, okay, like this. And uh, and then I asked her one day, are you going to get that uh, that vex as it comes down the line? And she said, absolutely not. I'm healthy as a horse. I've never had the flu all my life. I take I eat garlic, and she ate garlic. I can tell you. And uh, and then next thing you know, I get a phone call, and she says to me, oh, I just came from my second jab. And I'm like, oh my god, they <clears throat> got, they got her. Like, what did they do? They probably threatened. I didn't even want to make her feel bad at that point. They probably threatened that she could continue living in a, in her uh, assisted living place at, it, without getting it. She was already locked on her floor. She could only visit one person. I had to break her out. There was times where I would she would uh, put a bucket down to get goods that I would send up to her, like complete abuse. Right. And then I learned the other day that uh, that she passed away. Right, oh. uh, strong, yeah, strongest, yeah, like uh, a stroke and two days, and she was to, gone. I think it was totally related. Today. She's healthier than most uh, people half her age, right? She was in the garden and uh, doing physical labor, and she would take a taxi alone to the garden and walk down this huge hill and walk back up to go get the taxi. It was it was insane how how healthy she was. And, uh, and yeah, they, they got her. So anyway, just a little, little side, I wanted to, to, I probably will do a, a tribute video and, and show some, um, pictures and some beautiful things. I took her out last Christmas. Anyway, we'll, 
leave that. Now, listen, but there's some bad people out there. I, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not an idiot. I can see what's going on. But the bottom line is, if you do this stuff, you're probably going to be uh, the percentage that they're not going to interfere with or mess with because they're going to go take the, they're going to get the loaf hanging fruit, get the people that they can push around. You, when you push back, why do I want to mess with Beth for this thing here? She's going to, she's going to file this against me, file that against me. It's going to cost me this much money. Leave her alone. Look, we got the other 99.9% of the people over here that to work with. And that's, mm-hmm. you, want to, you, you want to be a bad customer. You want to be a problem for them. So. Exactly. Be a pain in the neck. And, and that's, that's what we've done. I can't say anything about it. We're just on the brink of uh, defaulting the, our, our respondents. So I don't want to um, take it public before it's time. But, uh, you know, I feel amazing having done that, even if we didn't do it right, even if we resorted to patriot mythology and there's stuff in there. It's extremely biblical, biblical like it's really based on, on God's law, not man-made law. And, uh, and and we, we've not been responded to, and I've heard that's like amazing because it's acquiescence, silence is acquiescence. And, you know, if nothing else, I'm doing, I'm doing what I know to do. I'm not going to get down the line and go, oh, I wonder if I had, I wish I had. And uh, this is next level, what, you, what you're bringing here. You know, I was brave enough to do this, and now I think I'm going to be brave enough to, to go the next level and, and make, it, make it difficult to come after us and our community and our children. Well, listen, what, you're, what you did there, that's good, that's fine, but it's not acquiescence. So in other words, they're under no obligation to answer you, believe it or not. But you took the first step. Now you've laid the issues in front of them. Now what you do is you take those that, that, that whatever you filed against them, and you put that in a court pleading, a complaint, okay? And now you make them answer you because what you sent them, they don't have to answer but now you send that in a complaint, okay? And whatever you have in your document that you sent them that doesn't fit in your complaint in the context, well, now you could use that in your discovery process. Remember I said admissions, interrogatories, request for production? Oh, depositions, sit down and talk to them. So now that's how you take what you sent them and you actually enter it on the court record, and now it has to be dealt with. Now you have them when you do that, okay? Right. So that's where I would take that. Take, yeah. take what you got when they don't answer you. Go file suit against them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and put everything you have there. Now work into that court document. Now make them answer you because if they didn't want to answer before, now they got to answer it. Mm-hmm. And when they don't answer it, then when they don't answer you back, then you go for what's called a default judgment. They get 20 days to answer. If they don't respond back, now you file with the court. Hey, these guys didn't answer me in 20 days. I'm going to need your signature here for a judge. Here's Mr. Judge. Give me the default judgment. He's got to give it to you. So now it gives you the default judgment. And if you've got a dollar figure there in your suit, they're gonna they're gonna lose that also. Okay. Maybe you bang them for $10 million. They better answer you. So that's how you're gonna have to take that. And if they don't answer you, you're gonna be in a stalemate. You're not gonna be able to move against them. Whatever you mm-hmm. do, I don't know who you're working with. Don't go file any liens on anybody, please. Mm-hmm. Please don't do that. They, they, they will. Trust me, I've seen a lot of people get in trouble filing liens on people. That's so good to hear. I'm glad you said that. I have no interest in it. I hear it's a full-time job. I'm not qualified. And it it seems like, what's your take on this? It seems like you become the perpetrator. Like you literally end up, or or is that not the issue? What, you mean us? Right, like if you're you're filing a lien against them. Oh, oh, listen, you you file a lien and there's no legal, like you got to go through it. The standard legal process to get a lien on somebody is, if you and I have a, we got a dispute, you know, contract dispute. And I say, hey, Beth violated the contract we had and Beth owes me $5,000. And we go to court, you know, and then we, we hash it out. And the judge, uh, the jury says, yep, we heard the facts. And the law is, yep, 
Beth was obligated to do this. She didn't do it. $5,000 from Mr. Fagiola. So now I got a signed court order from the judge. Okay. Mr. Fagiola's got the, the court order. Boom. So now I can say, hey, hey, uh, Miss Martin's in the next couple of weeks. Say, hey, listen, I got this signed order. You know, I really appreciate my payment without having to enforce this. And if you tell me, hey, go screw yourself. I don't care about your, your signed order. Well, now I go to the sheriff and I go, hey, Mr. Sheriff, <laughs> I got this signed order here. I can do two things. I can go to the order. I can go to the sheriff and get the, give him the order and have him go collect it from you, which would mean seizing your property to get me paid. And if I don't want to do that and I still want to maintain this judgment I got against you, I could go to the county recorder where this person has their pro where you have your property recorded. And I could say, hey, uh, clerk here, uh, you know, county recorder, I've got this judgment signed by the court. Here's the judge's signature for five grand. I need you to place a lien against Miss uh, Martin's uh, property for me. Place this on the record that there's a lien placed against Miss Martin's property. So that'll go on the public court record. So uh, I'm going to put the public uh, county record so that if somebody comes to buy your property and they do a search, they're going to see you got this lien sitting in there against you that you haven't satisfied. They're going to probably enforce that you make you pay the lien because they're not going to deal with you until this lien settled. That's the way you collect liens. And that's the way you do liens on people. You got to get a, a judge's signature first. Do not just go file a lien against somebody. I don't care what anybody's telling you. I have bailed more people out with this stuff that have done this stuff. And it's not good. I mean, just, just, if it's not in the law, it's not a legal process. Don't do it. Very good advice. I'm noticing the time I've kept you so long and I still have loads of questions, yeah, but, I don't uh, care. I'm good. uh, and then, so give me one second just to see if I can uh, get myself an extra half an hour. Um, My goal is just to get people to the point where like, they know how to really protect themselves. Not only protect themselves, but how to go on the offense. Mm -hmm. You know, listen, mm -hmm. too many of us are here. Here's what we do. They come at us, we're playing defense. Yeah. We're all trying to block punches. You know? Yeah. Until you turn around and file a lawsuit and make them the defendants. Listen, I, I beat them like this at times, but mm -hmm. I do different things. I file complaints. I do, I do some – that's offensive, actually, because what I'm doing, I'm filing offensive things. But if I really want to bang them, I got to sue them. God assume and make him a defendant, make him answer me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm, very good. Okay, let's see if we can get a few of these more in. Um, uh, and I asked someone that, or the, someone asked me to ask you this: sure. Why is our current legal system referred to as uh, corpus juris secundum, and what is um, corpus juris primus? Uh, I mean, I don't know. They're Latin terms. I, I couldn't give you the definitive terms of them. Okay. Uh, I, I mean. The bottom line is if you really want to learn how uh, how the court system sees laws. And listen, when I got American jurisprudence, and that's a, that's a legal volume, uh, basically that's what every law firm has, and most good attorneys will have uh, access to uh, American jurisprudence. Uh, I think it's, forget how many volumes, it's ridiculous, 160 volumes or something. But if you go buy that new, that will cost you about $23,000, okay? Gee, why, why would they have these books for $23,000 you know? <laughs> They don't want the average man and woman maybe to have them. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when I got this, when I got my hands on it and I read it, I really expected it to be very government-centric, very heavy government. This It was the complete opposite of what I read, uh, what I was reading. I was like, wow, this is very people-centric, very rights-centric. That here's what property is. You can only own property, uh, qualified ownership or absolute ownership. And when you own your property with no mortgage, you have a, lo a lodial title, absolute ownership of the property. 
Okay, so nobody can make claims. Yeah, nobody can make claims against your property. And that's one of the way you beat the county up when I sue them in federal district court. And I've actually, I know how these suits look like. I've seen them, okay? You basically state that they're exerting acts of ownership and interest in your property and control that they do not have because you are the title holder. You're the owner of the property. They can't sell tax certificates on your property and sell your property. Only the owner can sell property. Only the title holder can sell property. So they would have to sue you and get a judgment against you. And then maybe you would have to sell your property if there was a legitimate case against you. But they just can't come in and short circuit that process and say, we're just going to take over the property because they don't own the property. They don't have title in the property. doesn't matter if it's registered with them or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lodial title, do you teach about that at all? Is And, and that's something, obviously, you have to have uh, free and clear, no mortgage, nothing. like it's it's. it's you can fun. only own property in the United States a lodial. That's it. There's the only way you can own property a lodial. So it, it, like I said, it's either absolute ownership where I, there are no more debts on the property, there's no mortgages, or mm-hmm. there's qualified ownership where you have a mortgage on it. And as long as you pay that mortgage, you're still a property owner. You get full property rights in that property. You have no less rights than the guy with absolute ownership, okay? He just absolute is, uh, uh, I don't have to worry about making a payment, okay? There's nobody that could say, hey, you defaulted on the payment. Because if you have qualified ownership or you have a mortgage and you stop paying that mortgage, you will lose that house. Mm-hmm. I tell people, don't don't play games with the mortgage, with sending them. I've heard people send them things where they say, verify where the funds came from. You know, you, they're, they're, not, they're sending all this stuff to the, uh, the, the loan company, and they think that's going to help them in some way and get them this house and get them out of foreclosure. No, here's what you're doing. You're not pissing off the friggin' lender. And, and when he comes to it, and if he's got the original note and the original mortgage, he's going to foreclose on your ass and there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it, okay? So don't play games with your mortgage, all right? So you either own that property absolutely or you own it a, a, a qualified. And even qualified means you still have a lodial title as a qualified property owner. As long as you make those payments, you have a lodial title. Mm-hmm. Nobody can come into that property since even though you got that loan and that guy, the, the lender still paid pay for it. Nobody could, that, that lender can't walk into your property. They can't so, do anything with your property. So okay? do you think, do you think it's a, a shame yeah. that people are out there helping people get a lodial title when you already have it? We got it. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people doing things that, that they, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would you be like Steve said, why, why are these people trying to cloud their own title? They're following all kinds of documents in there uh, into the recorder about a lodial title and this and that. And so why would people cloud their title? You, you can only own property a lodial in the U.S. That's it. And if people don't like that answer, go read American Jurisprudence and go read what the courts have said about property ownership. For hundreds of years, what property ownership is, they're very clear. Uh, I mean, I got a problem. When my property tax suit goes out, Let's say a version of it is sort of going to sort of a get out somewhere. And, you know, it, it may be redacted, but I want to get it among the folks, the people, so that they can see how you how you go after these people, how it's actually done. OK, you'll be stunned at the, the, the citations on there, the actual court citations on what property is, you know. Uh, so, no, don't don't go chasing a lodial title. I know these guys. I know there's a couple. I don't want to mention any names. I know there's a couple guys out there selling books on, you know, how to get the land patent and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Listen, here's what a land patent is. When they first settled the U.S., they broke, you know, they, they took large swaths of property and they gave to the individuals who were able to get them, okay? So I might have owned 500 acres or something. 
and I decide later I'm going to break this property up and sell it off in parcels, okay? So the land patent is what they gave him, okay? Now, when you get that separate parcel, that's sort of a piece. You still get the same rights as the, as the original land patent. You don't need to go get the original land patent. You had that when you bought the property. That goes back to the original land patent. So that you, don't, you don't need to go back and chase the land patent. All the land patent is it's going to show you where that little swatch of prop that little swath of property came from. It came from this 500 acre property. That's where your property came from. That's the only thing a land title is. It's a meaningless document because I know a lot of them want this land this uh, land patent from property taxes. And and if people think that a land patent when they get this land patent, if they think they're going to submit it to the county and they're going to pull them off the property tax roll, they don't understand what's going on. They don't understand the tax system because they never read the state tax system. It has nothing to do with a land patent on why your property is being taxed. It has to do with them making assumptions. They have you on a commercial ad valorem tax roll, which is a commercial tax roll. We talked about it earlier. If I'm right there on the property, we know that I got to write down the property. Then how can you tax the value of the property? Because you'd be taxing my right to own the property. You can't do that. You can only be taxed the property is if I had some kind of business going on here where I was using the property in a commercial entity as a, in a, as a commercial legal entity where I registered as Fagio Computers and I'm selling computers out of my home. So they charged me an excise tax on the right to sell the computers and then they would charge me a property tax on my property because I'm using it to exercise the privilege of selling computers. That's what a property tax is. And to prove to people this, you, have you heard of over here they have they're called home exemptions, homestead exemptions? No. Do you that term? Homestead exemption over here, the way it's being used now is it it discounts people's taxes. Okay. But and, and that's the shows you the fraud of the system. Is people think, yeah, I got a homestead exemption, my taxes went down. But here's the real purpose of what a homestead exemption was when they first set this country up. When they first did this property tax uh, system over here, we have we had a lot of farmers over here, okay? So Maybe 75% of the guy's land was being used for farming, but the other 25% was where his house was, his shelter, his, his property. They knew they couldn't tax his property. Why, Beth? Because you can't tax rights. They can't tax his right to own his own property. So they gave him a homestead exemption, and that homestead exemption exempted whatever, 25% of the tax bill because they couldn't tax the 100% of the property because 25% of it was being used for shelter. So that's what a homestead exemption is, if people wonder. But they've now bastardized it today, and they give them out like candy to people. People are not even running businesses from their home just to get their taxes lowered. Here, here's a homestead exemption for you. Here's one for you. And the dumbed-down public thinks, well, at least I got the homestead exemption. My neighbor don't have that. My, my taxes are $500 lower now. They think they really got something when their property is not even supposed to be on the tax roll. So – the, the, the land patent stuff and all that, they need these people need to go read their state tax code. If they're wondering why they're being taxed, it has nothing to do with a land patent. It has to do with their state tax code on how they are categorized their property. They put their non-commercial property on their ad valorem tax roll. And Beth, here, here's Kate, I'll prove it to you. I'll send you a document that I do with my local guys, mm -hmm. my local township. You'll love this, this story. So my, I, I, I'm going to clean all this up with the, with the property tax case. I know that. But I'm having fun with them because I want to help people locally like that, that are not going to bring a property tax suit like me. But I want to be able to give them some tools that they like my neighbors could use, my buddies could use. Hey, dude, file this. 
So I do a record request with the township, okay? And I ask him, I said, because uh, I had two liens filed against me by the township. And I said, provide me the contract between you and that law firm that filed the liens, okay? So here's what they did. They wrote back, they said, we have no contract with that law firm. Okay, wait a minute. So, so this this law firm randomly decided to go out and file liens against my property. So they so admitted in a record request. Remember, you said FOIA requests and record requests are real good for this kind of stuff. You never know what they'll tell you. Okay, they said no, we don't. We don't have any contract with them guys. Oh, really? Okay, great. So that's a law firm called Pearson Hughes. So then they said, but we're, we're going to give you the contract of the collection firm that collects our non-pay taxes. And that's a place called uh, uh, Municipal Resource Recovery Systems, okay? So they give me that contract, okay? You will love this one, Beth. Guess when the contract expired? It says it right on there. I don't 2015. Know. <laughs> 20, okay. So why not six years, well, six years later, right? Not going on the seventh. 2015, it says. I'm looking at this going, I can't believe they just gave this to me, okay? It gets better. It gets better. It gets better. So this guy, Michael Pierce, is the main lawyer from Pierce and Hughes to file these two liens against me, okay, that they don't have the contract with. That they said, no, we don't have no contract with Pierce and Hughes. So Michael Pierce filed these liens against me. Beth, guess who the president of multiple, uh, Municipal Resource Recovery Systems is? Guess who the president of that little firm is? Michael Pierce, yes. the attorney that filed the liens. He's now the president of the collection firm. Oh, it gets oh better. It, it gets better. It gets better. So when you go and read it on the very first page, you're going to think I'm making this up. Listen. Guess what they're specifically tasked with collecting, this municipal resource recovery systems. Guess what they're specifically tasked with collecting? Does. <laughs> Mercantile and business privilege taxes. You see a problem here? Am I a merchant? No, I'm living in my house, okay? I'm not running any business out here. What business privileges are coming out of my house? Am I running some kind of business ring out of my house that I'm unaware of? You know? <laughs> so this is the document they gave me, the local township. Now, let's look at what they just did. Is anybody, are they sleeping at the wheel over there when, when they sent me that document? How could somebody send me a document that expired 2015? How could somebody send me a document for Mercantile business privilege taxes? How could somebody send me a document with Michael Patrick Pierce as the president on there? Because that collection firm doesn't have any authority, neither does the law firm, to file municipal liens against me. And why? Because those municipal liens are coming off their local ordinances. What do we say about laws? Who makes laws, Beth? Who can, who, who's the only body makes laws? The legislators. Can the legislature from Pennsylvania, can they delegate lawmaking authority to the township of Aston? Mm -mm. So are their ordinances laws? Nope. Are their codes laws? Nope. Can, then they can't enforce them as laws, can they? No. Then, then they have no enforcement power for these ordinances or codes, do they? No. So now when I bring them in court and I, and I bang them around on motions and go, hey, wait a minute, you guys are in the lawmaking authority. <laughs> what are you doing here? How'd you get in here? Now I got a lot of people in trouble because a lot of people did a lot of stuff they shouldn't have done. The lawyer made a municipal lien up that he had no authority to do, and he filed it with the clerk of the court. The clerk who's not a judge, who can't enter judgments, she entered a judgment against me. She can't do that, okay? Not only did she enter a judgment against me, then she then she granted what's called a writ of seer fossey, which is a it's a uh, it's a writ it's a petition basically from the uh, the attorney saying, hey, this guy didn't pay your judgment that you put in. 
we need him to pay it or he's got to give us an affidavit stating why he won't pay it or we're going to send the sheriff out to his house to come take his house, okay? All without a judge involved now, Beth. This is just the clerk doing this, okay? The clerk don't work for the court. Guess who the clerk works for? The clerk works for the, the county. She's a county employee. So now I have a county employee entering judgments against me and issuing writs against me without a trial. Now, I look at my state constitution, Article 1, uh, sections, uh, Article 1, Section 6, right to trial by juries in violent. Beth, did I have a trial on this matter? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, did anybody knock them? I, I got a mailing from them, okay, saying that, hey, there's a judgment against you. Did anybody knock on my door and say, Mr. Fadjo, you're being sued? Here's the here's the uh, the complaint and here's the summons. So that now takes personal jurisdiction away from the court. They now can't hear the matter, okay? Now let me ask you this, Beth. Is a citation or a code or a code infraction, is that a formal civil or criminal complaint? Not that I'm aware of. No, it's not. Okay. It's a code infraction. It's not a civil complaint. It's not a criminal complaint. So it's not a civil complaint. It's not a criminal complaint. Guess what? That court, now they're missing subject matter jurisdiction. Now they don't have personal jurisdiction and they don't have subject matter jurisdiction. Can they hear this matter, Beth? Mm-hmm. I can go to any appellate court, any appellate court here in Pennsylvania. Don't back me up. And when I bring in federal district court, there's no way they're coming in court and claiming that they had personal and subject matter jurisdiction because they know they never gave me service of process. They never had personal jurisdiction and they never had a complaint file. But they did, didn't they? They sent me this stuff, didn't they? So now what do I got them involved in, Beth? Don't I have them involved in fraud? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now when I sued them for basically fraud and violation of my rights in federal district court, how exactly are they going to come in federal district court and explain that a clerk issued a judgment against me and issued a writ against me when she's got no judicial power to do so? And the attorney, how's he going to explain how he created a lien out of thin air? He made it up out of nowhere. Because that's not how liens happen. Liens happen when he sues me and he beats me and he gets that judge to sign an order for him. Then he can have a lien against me. Mm-hmm. Then he can say, hey, Fadjo, will pay us. And I say, hey, screw you. I ain't paying you. Well, now I'm going to go to the recorder and go record this as a lien against your property. That's how liens happen. They don't happen when the attorney just fills out a piece of paper and calls it a municipal lien and gives it to the clerk. That's not a lien, okay? Guess what that's called, Beth? That's forgery. Mm-hmm. That's, that's wow. forging a document, okay? Wow. That's a that's deceptive and fra- frauds on business practices. Uh, that's tampering with government records. It's barratry. It's official oppression. See, I just start rolling these out. These are state crimes. I didn't get into the federal ones yet. It's eight. It's a violation. Eighteen two forty one. Deprivation of rights. It's conspiracy against rights. Eighteen two forty one. Carries a huge pe- penalty. Huge, uh, huge uh, jail sentences. See how easy it is to roll against these people when they do this stuff, but. I had to figure out, and I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I know there's a lot of smarter people than me out there, but I had to figure out by getting thrown in the mud with these pigs, the sewer authority, and that's very appropriate for their name they because they, they are pigs. Mm-hmm. So I got thrown in the mud with these pigs, and I had to see what they were doing. I would go, I would take the jurisdictionary course, and I would go, man, this doesn't look like what I'm reading. Like you said, they're not doing what's written down here. They're not following this. Mm-hmm. So then I came to the conclusion, well, they must not be following the law or they must not be following the rules. Oh, I could do stuff with this now. Now I can put them in real bad positions by coming at them and filing against them. Now, they uh, they thought I was the hunted. And all of a sudden, I'm the hunter. And now I'm coming after them. 
And now, Beth, it's gotten so bad here. Okay, here's the funny part. I'll, I'll be happy to back everything up I tell you. I had another where I got two rentals. I had all these people file liens against me, and they, they seem to go away for some reason. Where I, I got rentals, and I had two liens filed against my properties, okay? And two writs issued to come come take the, you know, come get the property kind of thing. I never filed a document into this case before that law firm filed a, a precipice, which is a request to the clerk to strike the municipal lien, the municipal claim, and the writ of Sear Fosse. They asked the clerk on their own, take the, see, you know, see that lien we filed against Faggio and them too? Uh, take them out, knock them out. They filed it with the, without, without me filing anything. Okay. Now, here's how that happened. I filed uh, seven bar agreements at that point against the head attorney. I mean, against the head attorney for the law firm. She had seven bar agreements against her, and I was banging her underlings with bar agreements. Okay. <laughs> and then they wrote up the arrogance of them. They, they, they just knocked, knocked their own two liens out. Then the very next day, another attorney in the firm decided he's going to pick it up, and he did two new liens. Okay. July 27th, I got the paperwork, Beth. I'll show it to you. July 27th, I got the paperwork, these two new liens. Three weeks ago, I got a mailing from that law firm with that lien in it saying, we filed this lien with the court. Wait a minute. July 27th, he filled this out. We're, we're in November. <laughs> you sent it to me now. And guess what? Guess what's not on the court docket? Those liens. Those liens are not on the court docket. I did a search. They're not there. You know why they're not there? Because now the clerk, who there was a previous clerk in the civil authority suit that started all this, she seen me hunt her down. Actually, literally seen me hunt her down with attorneys going through her. Hey, I want to know where this woman works. Because she's not working there no more. I need to give this woman service a process. You, she's your employee. You can't have her do all this illegal shit against me and then have her run. I need to know where she's at. You know what the attorney wrote back? She's not a she's not a court employee. He wouldn't tell me anything else. Then I had to write back and ask, well, who the hell she worked for? Somebody's giving her a paycheck. Oh, she works for the county. Oh, she works for the county. Great. Now they got a real problem, okay? Because now it's a county employee doing here. They're doing this. So when you hit them with this stuff, and, and here's what happened. She sees me going into that previous clerk, and she sees me taking apart these local municipalities with actual legal filings. I'm not making stuff up. I'm using the laws in Pennsylvania. Here's a great one I found. You may find it in your area. Other states may have it. It states that when an action is started without a complaint, that the defendant, which would be me, can file what's called a precipice with the clerk, which is just a request. That's all precipice is. It's a request. Really more demand, though, because you're citing a law. Mm -hmm. For her to, to serve a rule to the other side that filed this municipal lien against you. Beth. Is a municipal lien a civil complaint or a criminal complaint? Nope. It's not. Okay. So now I filed this precipice with the clerk. Hey, go tell the township to sue me. They want their money. They got 20 days to sue me. If they don't sue me in 20 days, now I go to the clerk and I file a second precipice. It's called a non-pros. And it tells the clerk they didn't respond in 20 days. They didn't sue me. I'm going to need you to get this off the record. Get it out of there. It's phony. So when I filed these precipices with that clerk, she didn't know what to do. She must have went and talked to somebody. She filed them as correspondence, Beth. I don't know what that is. Correspondence she filed them at. So she figured she don't know what to do. Somebody told her, just file them as correspondence, see what he does. Well, I know enough to go file a motion. Because when I file that motion to force her, the motion basically forces her 
to now take that uh, that rule and send it. The one that she didn't want to send, she's not got to send to them. And guess what happens when I file that motion? It's out of her hands now. The other side's got it 20 days to answer me. Then I get a chance to respond back to them. And then we get to have a hearing, a motions hearing, before a real judge. When she's gotten, she can't stop that process, Beth. She can't keep me out of that court by me filing that motion. And that motion is all going to be about her. Hey, judge, here's the law. It states very clearly that when an action is created without a complaint being filed, these people got to sue me in 20 days. The clerk wouldn't send it to them. I gave her the precipice. I told her to do it. She wouldn't do it. Now she's got to tell the judge why she's not following the law. That's not going to be work out well for her. So here's what's going on in her head. Oh, hell. She got them two new complaints, the two new liens. I'm not putting these on the court docket. Because what's going to happen when she puts them on the court docket, Beth? Mm. Holy hell is going to break out. She knows it. Here come the filings. Here come the complaints. Here come the bar grievances. So now I have a law firm that's for the Beverly Park. That's their law firm. They can't get liens filed against me. They can't get anything filed in the court against me now. Amazing. And the township can't get them filed against me now because she won't touch them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a story. That's brilliant. Amazing. Uh, I think we're going to have to artificially put an end to this. There's, sure. there's still more questions, but uh, I don't care. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I can't resist this when it's uh, it, it's actually a spiritual question, just in sure. terms of when because your your website I am has sent me to you. By the way, before I forget, I want to make sure everybody knows because I'm late in posting it, just getting some information up. But uh, I'm hosting James Erksine tomorrow at 3 p.m. Central. He is the very first Winnipeg police officer who has uh, spoken out. The first, there's 50 apparently behind the scenes that are going along to get along, but one decided that's it. This is my line in the sand. I'm not putting this badge on my arm anymore because these guys are breaking the laws. So I'm pretty excited. This is going to be epic for me. I got a lot of questions for this guy. I just want to make sure you guys know about it. So uh, I will be posting about it shortly, I think, from what I understand now. And then so the spiritual question for you, Alphonse, is to um, basically who is in charge? Like, you know, is, is, is uh, the, the, the Bible prophesies your, your website name obviously comes from biblical principles. I know you are a believer in God. Do you consider yourself a Christian by the way? I, I mean, I don't, I don't really break it down to that. I, I just know there's a creator and I, yeah. I just have a, a, just a basic set of principles. I know right from wrong mm-hmm. and I, I don't go under any doctrine as far as Christian or this or what. Right. I, I think that's meaningless to me. I mean, I went to, right. I went to Catholic school as a kid for six years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got so turned off by religion, especially during the, uh, uh, when the police, the priests were molesting the kids. Remember that whole, that whole scenario that was going on yeah. and they were hiding the priests that the, the Vatican was moving these priests around from. And I actually know a cousin that actually, uh, wound up, uh, he, he wound up getting killed in, uh, he, uh, he wound up getting killed. He, he always had a lot of problems. He always had a lot of uh, legal problems. Uh, like he was, he went turning like a bad kid. And a letter later came out from his mother, told us that he was sexually molested by a priest. Okay, one of the priests. Uh, and it messed with his head, and he just reacted and, and it wind up taking his life at a certain point and wind up for his death. So when that stuff went down, I got real turned off with religion at that point. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't aware enough that religion has nothing to do with God. Okay, right. I, I, I had I, some reason in my head as a kid that's going through Catholic school that I had emerged together that religion meant God. 
and they mean nothing of the sort. Okay, and there's nothing. The creator has nothing to do with any organized religion, you know. And uh, so I, I came to the realization, and he make no doubt. I can look around me and see my environment and the way the sun moves and the earth and the uh, the uh, the moon moves, and I can see that this looks like a big clock in the sky. It's too precise when I look at the way the sun comes up every day, you know, and then the moon moves. And just uh, you look around at, at how we're made, that there's no way this came from some cosmic accident with, with some big bang out of nothing, or, or that some amoeba came out of the ocean and turned into a monkey that later developed an os. And no, okay, that, that didn't happen. So I finally had my coming to moment, God, basically, to say that I realized that religion had nothing to do with the creator. And uh, my mom passed away 2019, and I'll never forget uh, – you know how you are. You're very down. You're depressed. You know, I was lost my dad already. My mom passed. So all my close family were gone. I was sort of on, even though I got some good relatives, they take care of me. They invite me out for dinners and then the holiday stuff. But, but my immediate family was gone basically. So I was sort of out on an island by myself. So, you know, you're down, you know, you're, you're feeling real down. And so the sewer authority suit comes up and I get this bill, you know, and I don't feel like fighting with anybody at this point. I'm just going to, whatever, I'm going to pay. I was going to go after the property tax people, and then my mom passed, and then everything went on the back burner. I just pay the stuff, get it out of the way. I don't feel like fighting with nobody. So I get on there trying to log into the site. I can't get into the website. I'm getting pissed. I'm getting angry. I can't get into the website. So go for a walk with the dogs, you know, and I'm thinking about this, you know. And I say, you know what? I took this jurisdictionary course and studied all this stuff, read all this stuff. It's time to put this stuff into practice, you know, to really do something with this. So I actually had a little conversation with the creator. I was just walking the I said, hey, listen, I said, give me one thing before I leave this earth. Don't, don't provide it to me. Just give me the knowledge to be free. Just give me that knowledge to be free. And, you know, and I promise I'll take it and help as many people as I possibly can mm -hmm. with that knowledge. You know, I won't profit off it. You know, mm -hmm. I won't. Uh, and you know, listen. These guys could write. There's guys out there that they're, they're they're making videos about me. They're writing websites about me about what a bad person I'm. You will not find one person that ever said Alphonse charged me money for anything I did or or gave them. No consultations that I've talked. I've talked to people for hours on the phone. Never charged them a penny. Okay. Gave them my documents. Never charged them a penny. Written hundreds and hundreds of documents for people. Legal documents. Mm -hmm. Never charged them a penny. I don't want to take, I don't want to grow. Listen, I'm going to get paid very handsomely. When I'm done with the county, I'm going to be, it's going to be very, very handsome. I'm going to be very, very well off when I'm done with that. That's where I'll get my money. I'll get my money from the criminals that are doing this. Mm -hmm. I will not grow my wealth and my well-being off the back of the people that come to me for help. Okay. So yeah, I, I do take that as a badge of honor. I separate myself from that. And I'm not putting people down to charge for stuff. I understand people need to make livings. I get that. I understand that. But I'm not in this to sort of profit from it. It's not my my goal. The the greatest gift I was given from this, and Beth, there's the most uncanny things have happened since I made that promise to the creator. I can't explain how things sort of just fell my way. And even when I think something's sort of not going to go my way, there'll be some crazy thing that spins and bang, look what just happened. The old woman with the 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 uh, prop the uh, the condo problem. He's the, the lawyer walks in out of nowhere, wants a continuance. Now we went from twenty-eight thousand down to eleven thousand. I thought that suit was over and done with. I, I filed the the petition to open it up. That was a that's a Hail Mary pass. Because if that doesn't work, now I gotta file the lawsuit against them. I'm trying to beat it down here before I have to go up to before I have to do a lot of work into this and do the federal side. I'm trying to beat it down here. So that came out of nowhere. And on that same day, 
I get that document from Steve. Hey, I thought you might you might get a, a kick out of this one, the HOA thing that he did for somebody. Just used it for somebody. 2012 document that he sent to me that day that that hearing was going on. And I went, wow, look at that timing. Now, is that accidental, coincidental? I don't know. But that's the that's the, the crazy thing is I've had many of these kind of weird things happen like that where I thought something was gone, where, you know, or I did something wrong and no, everything I did sort of worked my way because they did something stupid that I finally figured out. And so it is a spiritual thing for me. I mean, like I said, I look at it this way. Uh, when my mom got sick, uh, I actually rented my house and I went and lived with my mother. And I didn't care what anybody said. Oh, you live with your mom. Damn right I do. Guess what? When my mom passed away, I want to be able to leave this earth and say, I did everything possible to take care of my mother. I was there for her at all times. I didn't abandon her. I didn't leave, move. I didn't do it. I was there for her at all times. I don't care what you say, okay? I don't care about that. That's my mother, you know? So I look at it that, you know, that's important to me. Family, uh, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not really the most, I'm probably the most unreligious person you'll ever meet, okay? Uh, the time, only time you're going to find me in church is at a funeral or a wedding, pretty much. That's it. The only time you're going to get me there. But... I know there's a creator and I know there's a code of ethics and we all know right from wrong. Listen, you don't need to read it down and write it down. You know when, when you're doing something wrong or, or you know when somebody else is doing something wrong. And and I go by what my mom always taught me, the golden rule. You know, you treat people the way you want other people to treat you. You know, and uh, so I, that goes far for me. So, yeah, it's very spiritual for me as far as that goes. But I'm not religious, but I do believe there's a creator. And I, and I just seen so many uncanny things that have come my way that, I don't know. It sort of seems like there's some kind of tap of an inner, you know, divine intervention that's giving me some kind of benefit here because I've had things that shouldn't go my way that suddenly turn around and just go bang in my direction. Somebody does something stupid. They say something stupid, you know, and I go, wow, I couldn't have asked for anything better, you know. So I write to the tax code guy and I say, look, with the return, he goes, oh, we don't use that no more. We don't even use that. Wow. He just admitted he's not using the tax code. Slammed on case mm -hmm. that accidental, maybe I don't know, maybe it's coincidence, but I, I think there might be some, uh, you know, some somebody looking over me, you know, so, somebody looking down over me. Yeah. No, it's a beautiful example for everybody because it's mm -hmm. you know, when you set your sights on truly actually serving others, uh, you are serving God, and there's a special relationship in, in, in that, and uh, it, it's it's blessed. It's one of those things you, you want to help others. God wants to help you, so it's uh, it's how a much money thing. is it worth? How much money is it worth that woman that 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 was considering suicide? How much right. money is that worth to me? Priceless, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely priceless. Wow, that's very inspiring. Thank you, Alphonse, for sh for sharing that. And I guess we'll have to delay the uh, other other questions. But I think a lot was sure. covered in in our earlier talk about the Patriot because there's there's a bunch there that. So forgive me if I didn't make it to your questions. I'm sorry in the chat. Apparently they had a great flat earth discussion. That's awesome. We'll have to talk about that another time. Uh, and uh, so do visit IamHasSentMeToYou.com and go on Alphonse's uh, Telegram group. It was posted a long time ago in the chat here, but maybe if somebody still has that link handy, you want to post it one more time so we can get people over there. I see people helping like crazy. They're helping each other. They've learned from you. You've helped them. Now they're helping each other. We have a Canadian group that is uh, an offshoot of your group as well. 
So um, this has been very good. I've heard a lot of your stuff and I, I feel like I'm still just taking it in and, and you know, there's so many levels of brainwashing and um, and stuff out there. So I'm going to set up a debate. I'm going to find somebody to to come on with you and really talk about this because I think that just would be amazing. Get them to speak for themselves instead of us just repeating like uh, robots what they're telling us. Here is Alfonso's Telegram channel, so definitely jump on there, <clears throat> join the discussion. You can learn a lot from there. I've got a friend who just literally watches the channel for every time your name comes up and goes and reads what you say. <laughs> Huge fan of yours. And uh, thank you, everyone, for for being here. It's uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to be able to host King Heroes such as this. Again, join us tomorrow, 3 p.m. Central Time, for James Erksign, the first brave Winnipeg police officer that is uh, is stepped out. I think he's literally one of two in the country. I don't. I haven't heard of anything anyone more. Uh, he's going to not only give the reasons why he's doing this, but he's also going to talk about what's on the other side. And that's that, again, is is uh, extremely rare, that it's not just about about taking um, down the system. It's we have to create law enforcement for ourselves. This is the beginning to me of true common law, where we have those that are willing to get uh, go to bat in, in that way that the average person just couldn't do. You just can't. You don't have the skills. You don't have the training. So, wow, it's uh, it's the Wild West out here, and we really appreciate you, Alphonse. You're such a generous-hearted person and uh, giving have so much of your time today. It's Anytime, anytime, Beth. So great. Thank you, Alphonse. All right, I think that's all for tonight. today. I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a beautiful rest of your evening. Bye for now.